It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. sad that um well i found out today earlier um i watched the 2022 gathering of the juggalos infomercial why is that sad that's glorious well one it is a tradition i look forward to the ga- i look forward to the infomercial every year um it yes. was a little sad because violent jay is looking a little ill oh okay and when i can see it through your clown makeup it's a problem <laughs> yeah that is sad um he looks like he's lost weight mm-hmm. not in the good way um, yeah, I know he's. Like you had to, or like no, your heart condition. Like seriously, do something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know he's had some. Like I think he said in the infomercial that he's just coming off pneumonia. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other health problems. So yeah. Violent J looks sick. This gathering may be one of the last times that he's hmm. physically able to perform. Maybe. Which. It's complicated because like. I like to take the piss out of ICP, yeah. Juggalos, all of that shit because it's weird yeah. and it's trashy. Yeah. But but I don't want them to get hurt. No. Like, not in any way that they don't already hurt themselves with the copious <laughs> amounts of Fago, <laughs> Bar yeah. S hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. Just the party lifestyle for, what, 30 years now? Plus, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, so, it, yeah. It, it was a little bittersweet watching The Gathering <laughs> yeah. this year. But, I do. I would go um, one if it wasn't Juggalos, and two if it wasn't all the way in Ohio at a time where I'm not going to be in Ohio because they got Slick Rick, nice, and Sir Mix a Lot, nice. 
I would like to see Sir Mix a lot. Egyptian lover? Like, they got, like, some, like, legend. That, that legendary hip hop happening at the Gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah, that, that is some, like, yeah. I'm like, I guess Shaggy Too Dope is like, we will teach the children <laughs> on this day. Hey. And they then, take their responsibility to to civilization and the culture seriously. <laughs> we may not appreciate their sophistication level, but no. they take it seriously. This is and true. They mean it with their whole trashy heart. And then he followed that up by telling, telling us that um, his younger brother was going to be on the bill this year, mm-hmm. which is fine, mm-hmm. of course. And he's like, and not just That's like showbiz. Exactly. It's all they're all nepotism. Oh yeah. Even in Juggalo Land. And he was like, it's not just my brother, like, he's on the label. Like, he's like, my brother, like, we came out the same Ned. <laughs> and for those of y'all that don't speak Juggalo, Nedden is Juggalo for your puss. Everyone has jargon. <laughs> Everyone has jargon. And I, I, I fell the fuck out. I'm like, and this is why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> for Shaggy Tudope to talk about his mom's sniz. And in case you didn't know where <laughs> you are... I am Samara. And I am Jeannie. And this is Talk Deadly, deadly to, to me. me. And drinking Fago for 30 years straight is deadly. That's just not good for you. No. But, not. you know, it, it, he he also comes from the kind of community that doesn't trust the water. So, I, tr- I try not to make fun of people where, like, drinking soda seems embedded in the uh, culture. Because their water is poisoned. <laughs> Okay, being, and Mountain Dew is cleaner. Being from Ohio, I can tell you that they, the people in Troy, Michigan, are not worried well, about true. their they shit being Troy. their their water being set on fire. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. But enough juggalo bashing for the time being. Jeannie, yes. what do you know about Bill Cooper? Not DB Cooper. No, because nobody knows who he is. <laughs> that's true. That's, that took me a second. Like true. Nobody like, knows who DB Cooper is. I know, and I always think about DB Sweeney as soon as I say DB Cooper. But Bill yeah. Cooper, I like seem to like that. Sounds like something I heard reference on the X Files. Like you say that, and immediately I hear Fox Mulder talking um, about Bill Cooper because I know that's where I've heard of him. Heard of him. There is um, the Smoking Man. I believe is based on Bill Cooper. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, no, no. Deep Throat. Or one. There's, there's an yeah. X Men. X Men. X Files <laughs> character. I can't remember if it was the Smoking Man or one of those twins or one of those FBI yeah. Yeah. office folk that popped up regularly. Was based on Bill Cooper. Yeah, they must be. But that's who we're going to talk about today. Bill Cooper is the daddy of modern conspiracy as we mm. know it. So Alex Jones, David Ick. I'm going to say it ick because the guy that wrote the book um, that I used uh, for research for this, um, he calls him David Ick. Really? And so I'm going to call him David Ick okay. because it tickles me. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> also, like, that guy doesn't need to, to be any more famous or known or looked into. I just, like, I just read it and he was like, David Ick. And I was like, I thought it was Ike. You know what? I'm sticking with Ick. Fuck him. <laughs> sticking with Ick. So we're going to talk today about Milton William Cooper. Milton? Milton. I'd go by Bill, too. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> Milt. 
Milton William Cooper was born in Long Beach, mm, mm, Long Beach, mm, mm, uh, on May 6th, 1943. Okay. On the day he was born, Allied forces moved into Tunis, Africa. Mm. That's, a, that's a fun birthday. <laughs> yes. Being born with that tail into World War II. True. Quite literally a boomer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the age range after World War Two. Oh no, yeah. so he's so be like forty six. He's a little bit. Look, I'm I, I'm keeping it. He's a boomer. Yeah. Keeping him firmly. I mean, there. that's who he's raised with, basically. Um, bef- because his dad, what his father Jack, was a pilot in the Army Air Corps, the family moved a lot. Mm-hmm. Like. Constantly, they're army brats. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in his biography, Bill would say that he had a complicated relationship with his father. And as a sensitive but willful kid, Bill got into more than his fair share of trouble growing up. Mm-hmm. Traits that often made Bill the focus of his dad's anger. Military style. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Just asking things. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like you, can, you can imagine oh, yeah. the kind of disciplinarian Jack was. So I'll leave that to your imagination. When asked about his mother, Bill said that she was a true Southern belle. Mm. The kind of woman that men dream about when they're lonely. I'm leaving that there. You said that about your mom? Oh. I'm a, I'm a, I'm not even touching it. I'm just gonna... Dr. Oedipus. <laughs> Paging Dr. Oedipus. Yep. You're wanted in the waiting room. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave that. Just put a, just put a pin in. I'm just gonna leave that right there. Nobody ever expands on it. Everybody yeah. was just like, leave it alone. No, I'm gonna be generous. <laughs> he loves his mama. He he does. Um, <laughs> where his his relationship with his dad is complicated and combative. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom seems to be have been a, a true north. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much he fucked up, no matter how weird he got, mm-hmm. you can't say nothing about her bill. Yeah. She will always be there. Yeah. And she probably had a not insignificant hand in backing his father off. Yeah. On some shit. So, he has a much better relationship with his mother (laughs) than he does with his dad. I'm glad he has a good relationship with a parent. I'm always, like, rooting for good relationships with parents. She said that she was the kindest woman to ever walk on two legs Mm. when he wasn't being weird about men dreaming about her when they're lonely. That's <laughs> I said I was I said I was gonna leave it there and I'm leaving it there. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird way to describe your mom. Yeah, yeah. It's Be- not usual. No. <laughs> because they moved around so much, Bill didn't have a lot of opportunities to make friends. I mean they're moving every couple of months. Yeah. Sometimes every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, he's born in the middle of war and stuff. So. Yeah, they're constantly evolving. Yeah. So instead, Bill spent a lot of time listening to Armed Forces Radio. Mm-hmm. He devoured music and he loved hearing everything. Sam Cooke, Elvis, Old Doo-Wop. Cool. All that shit. He loves it. He really especially loves R&B. Yeah. And like Good early taste. rock and early rock and roll. Yay. Oh, he loves it so much that he's like, they would have, they shouldn't have, they should have, um... Made, not Sam Cooke. It was Sam... Oh, God damn it. That one just flew out of my head. They should have made uh, Chuck Berry yeah. Secretary of State instead of arresting him. <laughs> but, like, that's... Like, that's... That's how deep yeah. the love is. Um, that is deep. That's even thinking, yeah. That is real deep. It is. Um, 
When Bill got into high school, his family was stationed in Japan, and while there, he was given a radio show when he was 16 on Armed Forces Radio. Cute. And uh, it was a teen radio show, so he got to spin a lot of music. Yeah. He called himself the Mad Lad. <laughs> so corny in the 50s. <laughs> and his theme song was uh, Quiet Village by Mark Denning. Quiet Village? It's boring. Yeah. Um, but he liked it. On his show, Bill spun the best R&B and rock he could find. Nice. And according to Bill, this music was the best that America had to offer. The best advertisement for all things that made America great. And in what was being for freedom and everything that makes America, America. Yeah. This is the best advertisement for what we do here. I, that's hard to argue with. I mean, he ain't wrong. Yeah. And he, in that, I'll... Well, it'll get complicated with Bill later. You're allowed to like <laughs> him our right now. artistic hegemony yes. is, is the first of its kind in our world. And I wish we appreciated it like they do in yeah. other countries. Like in South Korea, all this K-pop that's, you know, coming out and becoming a lot more mainstream. A lot of that shit stayed sanctioned. Yeah. You know, they, they support their artists. They give them stipends and make sure that they have money to live on and oh, their yeah. families are supported so that they can tour and make albums because yeah. they understand that music and art is an excellent ambassador for your mm-hmm. your, your people and their oh, culture. Yeah. They do, they, That's how you get the kids. Why do you think the European festival season's so goddamn tight? Yeah. Because they know. And in a lot of European countries, they do something very similar as far as... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the state the, supports they invest art. in the culture. It isn't just expect... I mean, they expect to make a profit, but they look at it beyond the profit motive, whereas here it's like, will it make money? No. Exactly. <laughs> How do we make this make money? So Bill's not wrong as far as that goes. In 1962... Bill was 19, and he joined the Air Force. He originally wanted to join the Navy, but a tendency towards car and seasickness kept him off the water. (laughs) So he wanted to go in a plane. Yes. Bless. (laughs) Bless. You know what's funny? He will eventually um, go to the Navy, and it's something weird. Once he's on the water, he's fine. Mm. It's only that like initial couple, first five, ten minutes where he's like, but, oh, okay. But like, give him yeah twenty like minutes to adjust. settle. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll adjust. So he does eventually go to the navy. We'll talk about it there. Okay. Um, it was assumed that Bill would set his sights on being an officer, just like his father and his uncles. He comes from a long military family. Okay. But Bill decided to be an enlisted man instead. That means instead of spending four years at the Air Force Academy, Bill went to school. Um, for aircraft and mis- missile, bleh, aircraft and missile hydraulics. Okay. He learned how to work on fucking warplanes. Yeah, is basically what that means. In Texas, from there he was assigned to the 49th Bomb Wing Strategic Command at Shepard Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. In October of 1962, a few days after Bill had gotten his assignment. The Cuban Missile Crisis started. Yay, good time. Because that's a good time to be in the military. (laughs) That's, yeah. Yeah. 
That's good times. Once the Cuban Missile Crisis kicked off, Bill was assigned um, to a maintenance crew for Mm B-52s. Not the band. The actual bomber planes. Um, Rusted! (laughs) (laughs) He he wasn't assigned to the love shack. But he did have a Chrysler that was as big as a whale and it was about to set sail. be helped. Can't right. be helped. Um, I have to go there. It's required by law. It, it's the 11th commandment. They won't let me back into the state of Atlanta if they don't. <laughs> Sorry. I want to go back to Atlanta at some right? point. Um, since the planes that Bill worked on contained atomic bombs, he had to wear um, radioactive hazmat suits for mm-hmm. his duties because the Cuban Missile Crisis is kicking off so all his shit's live. Yeah. Like he's working on Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like Real bombs. <laughs> During those first days of the Cuban Missile Crisis, Bill said that he wasn't really afraid. Um, but that changed 13 months later when Bill was on duty on an overnight shift working alone. And he sat in disbelief with the rest of America as he watched JFK be killed. Mm-hmm. Minutes after JFK was killed, Red Alert went on in his base. And they were told that they had 15 minutes to launch all of their planes because war was imminent. Mm. I guess, you know, President's dead. We're in yeah. the middle of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's just get in the get in the air and be ready for it. He's like, did we do it? Did the enemies do it? Like, like who did it? Like, <laughs> oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Bill jumped into the first car that he found and rode to the compound where his planes were. Mm-hmm. And um, he slept under a B-52 bomber for three days. Wow. Because it was the only shelter he could find. Mm -hmm. And he just had to be somewhere. Yeah. Ready. Yeah. Um, Luckily, war never came. So after three days, he's like, I guess I can come out. Yeah. And in 1966, Bill was honorably discharged from the Air Force and then turned around and re-enlisted in the Navy. Interesting. He couldn't get enough. Well, he had a dream. Oh, shit. Bill had a dream of outdoing his father and his uncles Mm -hmm. and all the other military men in the ranks of the Cooper family by being the first and only Cooper man to serve in all four, count them, one, two, three, four branches of the military. Okay. It's a goal. It's it's ridiculous. It is. So he's just going to enlist in all of them. Oh, man. Oh, let's... There's got to be a way to make Jack proud, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I feel like that's what he's thinking, though. Yeah. If I do all of them, Jack can't hate me. Aww. Aww. Jack didn't do all of them. True. Jack only did one. I'm good enough, Daddy. I'm good enough. His entire life is basically screaming, I'm good enough. Oh, bless. I mean. It's, yeah, I can't make fun of that. That's yeah. Oh, I can and I will. <laughs> <laughs> Because Bill's a fucking weirdo. And quit giving your daddy reasons to dislike you. (laughs) How about. Oh, he can. Really? Oh, we'll get there. Okay, okay. At a certain point, he can, and he chooses not to. Okay. (laughs) I'm not talking when he's a little kid, and just like. I think when he's a little kid, like a lot of people, his dad doesn't have the flexibility to adjust his discipline with the personalities of his children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and I think that's probably the clash a lot of parents have. If you yeah. if you can't be flexible and you want your kids to be one size fits all, mm-hmm. you're going to clash with the one that's a little wonky. Yes. But if you can ease up a little bit and understand what each of them reacts to, mm-hmm. then you don't have to be such an asshole. True. And I just don't think Jack could make that adjustment. Yeah, he's a man of a certain age. Yeah, like his um, Bill has a sister and a brother. They're twins, Ronnie and Connie. <laughs> they did that to these people, not me. Don't look Ronnie at me like Connie that. Ronnie and Milton. <laughs> yeah. And so Ronnie and Connie seem to have been able to fall in line yeah. more easily than Bill, and Bill just seems to be like the more. I guess, like, imaginative. Yeah. Kind of... Interesting. Yeah, kind of kid. Curious. So, after he enlisted in the Navy, Bill requested to go to a combat zone in Vietnam, because Jack will be proud of me. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I shouldn't laugh at that, because Vietnam is a horrible, horrible, horrible place, and nobody should have ever gone there, but, but this is a long way to go. Man. To be like, look at me, Dad. Good Lord. Look at Aww. me. I'm good. Poor guy. I'm good. Um, he was assigned to a riverboat in between the demilitarized zone um, between North and South Vietnam. Jesus. Yeah, so for those of us that haven't hit our mid-fours or fives yet, <laughs> um, if you've seen the movie Apocalypse Now... Mm-hmm. That big riverboat that they're going to on their on yeah. the boat that they're on, on their way to see Colonel Clink, that's what Bill was on. Yes. And he's r- running this supply boat through the demilitarized zone, which is the most fucked up place to be. Yes. Because nobody should be there, that's but where everybody. You start fights. Right. Yeah. It's like where nobody should be there, but everybody's there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he asked for it. He did. At the time he arrived, the Tet Offensive was in its final days. Mm-hmm. And again, for those of us that haven't hit our fours and the fives, yeah. the Tet Offensive was when um, we just went in and started bombing every fucking body. Yeah. And every fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, we weren't like supposed... Cambodia. <laughs> yeah, Everywhere. Like, again, you know what? If you want to know what Bill, Bill Cooper's life was like, in Vietnam, just go fucking watch Apocalypse now there because that's yeah. a pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. succinct depiction of what that was like for those yeah. of us that were too young or not born. I heard someone in their twenties say, "Basically, Fortunate Son is the soundtrack of Vietnam," and I laughed and laughed. I'm like, true, yeah, <laughs> it is kind of. So yeah, think of Fortunate Son. That's what Bill did. Yes. So Bill's main duties at this time, he was the captain of the supply boat. He went up and down the riverbank. Mm-hmm. And like many young men who served in Vietnam, um, he lost a good friend, a lot of good friends. Yeah. Um, when his boat was attacked, he lost his best friend mm. um, when their boat was attacked. And after that attack, the war became personal for Bill. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Bill and his boat engaged a lot of enemy fire after that. And uh, he never lost another man. Yeah. Well, like, he he took I'll it that be. he took it that personal mm. that he was just in there just blowing up everything. Yeah. That seems unfair. 
It's like, you went there, dude. You asked for this. Yes, you went to them. You said. Of course they're going to shoot at you and your friends. You said this is what you wanted, sir. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't drag you out of Kansas. (laughs) Wait, no, Long Beach. Long Beach. But, yeah, it's like. That's where his life went wrong. They left Long Beach. True story. Yeah, yeah. In 1971, Bill was reassigned to the Office of Naval Intelligence in Hawaii, Hmm. where he worked for an admiral on his briefing team. Basically, he's a glorified secretary. Yeah. So he's good at what he does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would never say that he was a bad soldier. Mm -hmm. And he's a true believer. You know, he comes from a long military family. Yeah. You get in, you do the do. Like, he's a true believer in the military. Our causes, they yeah. are right and just and true. Yeah. Even after all the shit he saw in Vietnam, he is still... It's like, okay, Clark. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you do that. <laughs> um, so his job as a briefing, um, as a briefing officer, you know, he deals with the correspondence as it comes in back and forth. He sets up for meetings. He's a fancy secretary. Yeah. For his job, Bill's security clearance was upgraded to top secret Q. <laughs> now, this is the part of the story where I say we can believe approximately 30 to 40% of anything that Bill Cooper says about his life. Okay. He is a very unreliable narrator, mm. and we'll find out why mm-hmm. later. So, do I believe that he worked for this admiral? Yes. Do I believe that there's a top secret Q? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, I know what a, a, what an unreliable narrator of his life he can be. Yeah. So this top secret Q clearance puts Bill in front of a lot of very sensitive information. Mm-hmm. Bill was on track for a military career, yet Bill started seeing. So while Bill was very happy with the way his career was advancing, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's a chief petty. Yeah. Officer. He seems to be on like an upward trajectory. In spite not going the traditional officer route, yeah. he's doing yeah. very well for himself. But Bill started to see things that didn't make sense to him. Mm-hmm. He would see Nixon on TV saying that there were no bombing raids in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Everybody calm down. Mm-hmm. But yet, in his day-to-day work, he's getting the briefings. He's seeing the communications. Mm-hmm. He knows that's not true. Yeah. So he's just like, um, uh, but, but why is the president lying? No. The, 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 oh, I'm too the, cynical to take his sweetness seriously. <laughs> I, I but, can't relate to this at all. <laughs> I just but, can't. But he's like Bless a babe. Him. He's a babe in the woods because yeah. he's a, he's a true believer. Yeah. The, the, if the government, if the U.S. the U.S. government is right and true. Yeah. It's hard for me to appreciate what a sh- what a, a shock that would be. Um, yes and no. It's like, I've been a babe in the woods about shit before, so I know what that feeling is like. Just not about the government. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I, but I can only imagine what what an earth-shaking reality that would be like, ah, but we are, we're good. justice in the American way. I've read all the Superman comics. I eat my vitamins. What the hell, man? (laughs) Bill, Bill didn't speak out at the time, but all this conflicting information didn't sit right with him. Yeah. He was trying to wrap his head around the fact that 
the people in charge of the country would lie. <laughs> and and something else had to be like something else has got to be going on for them to lie to the American public. They they oh, sh- they, they shouldn't just be lying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bill he was raised to think the government is beyond reproach. Yeah. If if we're out there doing the thing, it must be right. Yeah, we're the good guy. We're the city on the shining hill. <laughs> but still, that didn't change the fact that what he was seeing on the news every single night was a direct contradiction to the briefs that he saw when he went to work every morning. Yeah. He decided that he needed to dig a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Because here we go. We're on yeah. the we're entering the mouth of madness. Here we go. <laughs> Strap in, everybody. We're going for a ride. Great movie. Bill didn't have to dig very far to find what he was looking for. Um, he was found some documents that were never meant to be seen outside of his superiors. Mm-hmm. In later interviews, Bill would say that the truth was in those documents. The truth behind the war, treason cover-ups it was all there one by one bill said the scales fell from his eyes Aww. as he realized that there was no def- that he was not the defender of freedom that he was raised to believe that he was he was just cannon fodder in a huge game of risk being played by the wealthy and the powerful oh no yeah, close your eyes. <laughs> Agent Orange gives cancer. Yeah. It, it, it took this for him to figure uh, that out. Look, I guess as long as you get there. Yeah, I mean, and considering, like, the, the constant, um, you know, America is <laughs> virtuous and perfect and wonderful propaganda that that generation was just steeped in. Yes. Man, that has to come as a shock. Yes. Very much so. Bill had been raised to believe, like, like you said, he's steeped in a lot of yeah. fucking propaganda, yeah. basically. These people didn't make themselves goofy on purpose. No. They were made goofy. And like a lot of... someone else. Yeah, like purpose. a lot of people in his generation, he had been raised to believe that fighting for his country was, and mm-hmm. was right and true, and now he realized he was fighting for big business and world government. Yeah. The worst part, Bill said, was finding out that about the U.S. involvement in JFK's assassination. Aww. You can see the mouth of madness beginning to open? Yeah. <laughs> 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 the mouth is starting to open. Yeah. Bill's getting ready to walk in. <laughs> now, according to Bill, the real killer, according to his boss's top secret files... Yes was a secret agent named William Greer. Okay. And according to Bill, Greer shot JFK with a pellet gun containing a shellfish toxin. And that's what actually killed him. And the gunshot was just to freak people out. You can't see the look on her face. This shit's funny. <laughs> Man. Right, so he was actually killed by shellfish toxin, but the gunshot wound was the, you know, shock and awe. Yeah. Of the American public. You can't just have the, the president just fall out. Yeah. Seafood poison. Shock and awe, Jeannie. Shock and awe. Mm. <laughs> the mouth of madness opens a little bit further. <laughs> Where did 
he get this? From his boss's secret files that he wasn't supposed to be looking at. Shellfish dogs. Yes. And some dude named William Greer. And the mouth of madness opens a little bit further. And and you poke your head in to see what's inside. It was after finding out the truth. Y'all can't see me air quote the fuck out of truth. But we can hear it. (laughs) Truth. Bill Bill decided, you know what, I'm going to go AWOL. Fuck this. I'm done. (laughs) I'm not doing it. Fuck these guys. Yeah. But he was convinced by a friend to stick around because where where was he going to go? Yeah, you're on an island, idiot. That, and he's so far up in the ranks that if he goes AWOL, he's going to get found, he's going to get court-martialed, try for treason, go to jail for the rest of his life. Yeah, true. Fuck it, just just do your job and ride out your time. Yeah. You're older now, they won't force you to re-enlist. Yeah, true. (laughs) Just just wait it out. And that's pretty much what he did. Good. not to go AWOL because that's a bad life choice and you'll spend the rest of your life in prison if you do. Yeah. Potentially. And he finished out his mil- military career without incident as a quartermaster. Okay. Honorable discharge, just never re-enlisted. Yeah. He's also 32 now, so yeah. they don't want him. Completely disenchanted. Yeah, basically. He's 32 and now he's just, for the first time in his life, he's a regular guy. Mm-hmm. Bill's never lived a civilian life before. Mm-hmm. He grew up on military bases. Yeah. Grew up an army brat. Mm-hmm. And enlisted when he was 19. Yes. And has been in the military ever since. He's he's never lived, like, a regular schmegle of life. Yeah. Like, little shit, like, going to the grocery store weirds him out. <laughs> well, because he's never had to do it. Yeah. When you're on the base, you just go to the chow hall and food just... Yeah. ...appears. You don't gotta worry about clothes. Yeah. You got... Your 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 dress blues, your work outfit. Mm-hmm. That's it. So originally, Bill was going to go into a commercial dive business with a friend of his. Mm-hmm. Solid plan. Yes. But to Bill, Hawaii wasn't. You can't see me doing quotes here. Real America. Oh fuck you! I mean, it is. Yeah, fuck him. I. I He's so stupid. But although I think a lot of native Hawaiians would be like, yeah, we're not real America. Fuck you, get off our island. We'd like our shit back. Yeah. You can leave. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bill wanted the America that he saw on TV. Oh. And in Life magazine. Oh, Lord. And in Better Homes and Gardens. He wants a 1950s America that didn't exist even when it existed. Yeah. Because just because people wore gloves and more formal clothes on their day to day back then and had picket fences and little pillbox houses mm-hmm. doesn't mean their internal lives and, and shit wasn't just as messy as com- and complicated. Yeah. Exactly. But he doesn't see it that way. Yeah. He thinks it's 
Like, just... Yeah. Perfect. And that's what he wants. <laughs> but it's the early 70s now, and the America Bill longed for doesn't really exist. Well, it, it, it doesn't exist in the 70s for sure. Yeah. I don't personally believe it ever existed outside of his imagination. Yeah. But that's just me. Bill decided to leave Hawaii and headed to Oakland, where he says he was greeted with an America in decline. <laughs> you guys can't hear my eyes rolling. <laughs> yeah, right? Nixon had resigned, Disco was king, and Bill Cooper was lost. <laughs> he doesn't recognize the music anymore. Yeah. He was like, when his dad came home from his war efforts, he was greeted with ticker tape parades and, and he was the good Trip. guy coming back from Vietnam he didn't get the hero's welcome Mm-mm. that he felt was the right of every returning serviceman yeah he was flipped off he was spat on mm-hmm. and, and generally ignored yeah now there are good reasons to do that and there are bad reasons to do that <laughs> yes but it's either but no matter what side of that coin you're on that's not what he was expecting yeah because he's like, no, 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 my dad and his cohorts were worshipped as gods when they came back. True. Where is my godlike welcome? <laughs> Why are you either ignoring me like I don't exist mm-hmm. or spitting on me? Yeah. That's not what I signed up for. Yeah, true. It isn't. <laughs> on top of that, Bill was broke, kind of confused, and mm. constantly haunted by the nightmares of the things that he had seen in Vietnam. Mm. That's the part I feel sorry about the lack. Yeah, yeah. Bill felt like he was a failure. His father still does not like him. Mm. But all was not lost for Bill because he knew things. Dangerous things. (laughs) Oh, God. Secret things that could change the world or maybe even save it from itself. Mm -hmm. Those dangerous secret things. So when Bill first... Burning fossil fuels! <laughs> sending carbon into the sky, which is warming the planet, which will lead to climate change. Not that. No, those aren't Not the those things. Not those, those are No, those aren't the dangerous secrets. <laughs> we'll get to his dangerous secrets. There's those nothing are not, I can do about that. Those aren't fun. No. <laughs> he knows different dangerous secrets. Funner secrets. Yes. Way funner. When Bill first got back to the mainland, Bill tried to take a page out of Watergate Mm -hmm. and leak the information that he had found while working for the Admiral. Okay. But nobody wanted to hear what he had to say. Yeah. Um, Watergate was Watergate, and Mm -hmm. um, part of the reason why Watergate was taken so seriously, because it was people higher up in the government Mm -hmm. and reputable reporters that were telling the story. Yes. Bill does not have any of that cachet. Yeah. He's just a guy. Mm -hmm. And he probably sounds a little crazy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Bill managed to make a living by teaching dive welding at his time in the Navy. He was quite uh, he was uh, quite a prolific underwater welder. Oh, neat. Navy stuff. Yeah. That is an interesting skill. And in his spare time, Bill like had a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and he liked to take his bike through his paces, you know, cool. up through the hills, around the Bay Area, mm-hmm. through Oakland, oh, all nice. that. Stuff. Beautiful views, beautiful also, scenery. Also, I keep recalling that America in decline. You 
you've got no, a nice life. That's beautiful. Yeah. You're 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 fucking living in the Bay Area. Oakland, San Francisco. Yeah. You're in the water teaching diving all the time. Yeah. And when you're not teaching diving, you're you're driving your motorcycle through the hills and dales looking down at the San Francisco Bay. Milky's in the climb. Nobody gave him a ticker tape parade genie. Uh, and did I mention his father still dislikes him? Yeah, his dad's a douchebag. And it's like, <laughs> get some resilience, dude, and move on. I think Jack is a douchebag, but sometimes he gives Jack reasons to be a douche. <laughs> I think as he gets older, Jack has reasons because yeah. he gets... As Bill, as, as Bill is an adult, Jack just gets tired of the fuckery. Yeah. He's just tired. And, and <laughs> I'd be tired too. Mm. But when he was a young man... Jack is definitely an asshole. Yes. But as an adult, I can see why he's tired. Yeah. Because Bill will push you. (laughs) Yeah. So one day, Bill's riding his motorcycle through the hills. Beautiful view, lovely day, Mm -hmm. wind in your hair, because this is before we've made people wear helmets. Oh, that's right. No safety gear, so just imagine he's just in, like, fucking board shorts and boat shoes. (laughs) With a with a high and tight, yeah, <laughs> with a Bobby Brady haircut, yeah, just yeah. rolling rolling around. When he realized that he was being followed by a black caddy, mm-hmm. not only was it following him, it was following him close, <laughs> a little too close. At one point, the caddy got so close it clipped Bill and sent him and his motorcycle flying end over end. And they landed at the bottom of an incline. Mm-hmm. As Bill lay at the bottom of the incline, he's broken, he's bleeding. Two men got out of the caddy in black suits. And they walked down to Bill, and they checked his pulse. One guy was like, is he dead? And they were assuming that Bill was unconscious and on his last legs. And the man said, ah, if he's not dead now, he will be soon enough. And they left him there. <laughs> Bill would survive. But weeks later, he would have a run-in with the same caddy and had a similar accident Mm -hmm. where they clip him and he goes flying. This time, Bill's leg was severely mangled. Eventually, um, it was decided that the right leg needed to go, had to be amputated. It was pretty mangled. Um, They tried to reattach it several times, but it it was just so banged. It was just so banged up that after, like... Two or three times, they're just like, fuck it, it's got to go. Yeah. Um, his leg was so banged up that his VA insurance wouldn't cover all of it. Yeah. All, like, it covered a lot, but it yeah. didn't cover the amount of specialist hmm. work that he was going to need done. And his parents spent a not insignificant portion of their savings to make sure that he could get the leg amputated. Yeah. A prosthetic. Um, I think part of the reason the VA doesn't cover all of this is because it's not a military accident. Uh, it's just Bill. Yeah. Being Bill, still. but still. Well, we That's don't, not the deal. We'll argue about how fucked up the VA can be yeah. on another day, but that's where he is. Um, getting bad health care is better than getting no health care. True story. Mm-hmm. Bill would later report that the two men from the caddy came into his hospital room Bullshit. To, to tell him <laughs> <laughs> to, 
I'm trying to be patient, but I'm like, no. Bullshit. Okay, go on. So the men from the caddy came into his room, mm-hmm. and they told him... The men in him, black. Yes. We are the men in black. <laughs> Galaxy Defenders. <laughs> but now those men in black, different men in black. Yeah. I'm like, this is his fault. That's what his father said, too. (laughs) (laughs) So he says the men in black come in his hospital room while he's recovering, Mm -hmm. and they tell him that he needs to keep his mouth shut, or the next encounter could be fatal. Mm -hmm. Bill told the guys, look, you don't got to worry about it. Zip. Throw away the key. To get them off his back. Yes. But he swore an internal oath to himself. That he would get the truth out yeah. somehow. <sighs> oh, this is his origin story. <laughs> story is right. Now, I'll probably repeat this a little bit later, but um, when Jack was asked about this incident, he's like, that never happened. Drunk or not, Bill may have been drunk when he was driving the motorcycle that day. Yeah. He was like, whether he could have been drunk, but even if he wasn't, he was driving like an asshole. Yeah. And he fucked himself up so bad that I had to damn near ruin my savings to save his life. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I believe Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I believe. See? He gives reasons not to like him. <laughs> I don't know if he can help that, though. I That kind of delusional crazy... But again, I also think Jack doesn't have the sort of flexibility that one needs to adjust your personality and your parenting style to each child. (laughs) He's got one mode. Yeah. And he can't adjust to somebody like Bill, (laughs) who's fanciful at best. While Bill was recovering, he met a nurse named Janice. She was 19, and in later interviews, Janice would say that Bill was the most handsome man she had ever seen. Mm, bless. Paint a picture, and I've only seen pictures of Bill Cooper as an older person in his middle-late 50s. Mm-hmm. He's a big guy, maybe about 6'2"-ish. Mm-hmm. Broad-shouldered, barrel-chested. Yeah. Broad moon pie face. <laughs> okay. Just round and a little yeah. jowly. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of one of those Bobby Brady haircuts, you know, parted on the right, little swoop, mm-hmm. and then slicked back. Yeah. Probably had the same haircut since he was, like, four. Yeah. Um, the only time his hair was ever cut different was when he had to wear high and tight for the military, and then, like, <laughs> when he got out, he's like, well, we're going back to four years old. Here yes. we are. Um, big, beefy hands. Everybody talks about big, hmm. beefy hands, yes. Hmm. Um, green eyes, slightly pockmarked, a little bit of acne. Okay. I don't know what he looked like younger, because like I said, I've only seen pictures of him older, but apparently he was a hubba hubba. He let Janice tell it. (laughs) But what really wowed Janice about Bill was his intellect. She thought that he was the smartest man that she had ever met, and she hung on his every fucking word. (laughs) Bill told her about the motorcycle crashes, how they were caused by the FBI and the CIA, Mm -hmm. and all of the people that wanted to shut him up about the truth. Good lord. And Janice is just Bless. It's naivete. Yeah. She's 19. Yeah. Um, and yeah. She's just like, 
Oh my god, he's the smartest, most fascinating, most interesting thing. No, they're red flags! That's what her friend said. Yes, good Her friends. mother, her friends, her sister, everybody was like, red flag on the play. Yes, she is loved. Please leave, leave. <laughs> no, foul. I'm calling foul. He's full of it. He's full of shit. Um, they, they tried to warn her, stay yeah. away from him, but she would hear nothing of it. They told her, that man is nothing but trouble. Yeah. And she was like, but I like trouble. <laughs> God. She's yeah. like, I like making bad decisions. She gets a pass for being 19. And he's 32, so uh, she, he yeah. is... I know she's legally an adult, but the life experience is... Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's the problem mm-hmm. there. Um, but Janice was like, fuck you. I'm into this shit. <laughs> and when Bill was released from the hospital, he basically moved in with Janice. Oh, shit. Yep. The couple were married in late 1976. And Janice knew that Bill had been married before. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know how many times oh, yeah? he had been married. <laughs> in later interviews, Janice would say that she was either wife number four or five. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Jack said that Bill was always married or engaged. Um, when he was 17, he was engaged to some girl on base. Jack had to b- break that up. Mm-hmm. When he was 19, he got engaged to some 16-year-old Japanese girl. Again, from the base. Jack had to br- break that up. And... and and some, a bunch of other brats. So he yeah. was always trying to get married to somebody. Yeah. Okay. And succeeded at least four or five times. <laughs> like, we don't even know all of them. Mm. Um, really, they only talk about three. Okay. Of his possibly four to five wives. <laughs> <laughs> but the three most important ones. Mm-hmm. Because apparently he's just throwing out engagement rings and trying to marry everybody. Man. Again, I, that's that part of him that wants that white picket fence, pillbox house. Got to get married to get it right. Like it's yeah. it's part of the 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 vision, the Life magazine, mm-hmm. nineteen forty seven vision that he has. <laughs> the relationship between Bill and Janice was volatile to say the least. Later, Janice would describe it as living with Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. One minute he would be fine and loving. She's talking like he leaves work, he comes straight home, gives her a big kiss, flowers every day. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then the next day, he's flipping out and beating the shit out of you. Janice wanted to make it work with Bill, especially after their son Tony was born in 1978. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing she could do to make Bill happy. Then he started drinking. Mm. He always liked a little bit of drink, but it seems to be this is when his drinking becomes problematic. Yeah. I think it may have been problematic before that, but when you're single and you're by yourself, who can gauge True. how problematic mm-hmm. what is? And if he's really only hanging out with former yeah. military like him. Yeah. And culturally, I think problem drinking was the norm. I mean, think about <laughs> yes. it. Yes, yes. Everybody between 1835 and 1979 was a problem alcoholic. Yeah. Low-key. There was a lot of problem alcoholics, functioning alcoholics, but everybody was a goddamn drunk. Yes. Basically. So he may have had a drinking problem before this, but 
being married to Janice seems to be a demarcation point because he <laughs> begins to become violent with her. Yeah. So, that's that. And when Bill was drunk, he was a monster. He would beat Jewett, he would beat her, screaming at her, mm-hmm. telling her that, you know, the men in the black hat are going to come, they're going to finish the job, they're coming to get me, oh! <laughs> They're like, good. <laughs> Janice is, I'm going to wait outside and flag him down. Janice is terrified. Of course. She's got this big bear of a man screaming at her about yeah. men in black and slapping her around. Yeah. In one fight, Bill hit Janice so hard that he bloodied her nose and knocked her out cold. Oh, shit. Animal. That was it. She was done. Yeah. She picked up baby Tony, she <laughs> left, she moved in with her parents, and she never went back. Good for her. <laughs> She's Good like, choice. fuck it, yeah. I'm out. Bye. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> After Janice left, Bill went back to the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. <laughs> he wasn't on a mission to find Warren G. He's but on he, some sort of mission. But he did go back to Long Beach. Yes. And he worked at a Navy shipyard there. It was at a bar after work where he met Sally. Now, according to Sally, she saw Bill across the room and mistook him for a cop that she knew. <laughs> it, mistaken identity. You know, yes. smoky bar. Yeah, true. It's the late 70s. Bars are filled with smoke. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Very easy to mistake somebody. Yeah there because your vision is blurry yeah. also the southern california smog was like serious. yeah that was it was real serious um the pair struck up a conversation and we're having a good time but before bill could make a move sally told him don't bother because you're a smoker and smoking is a deal breaker i just don't do that wow. sorry sir bill was like all right he crushed out the cigarette and said for you i'll never smoke again I'll quit. And she was like, so when are you going to quit? He was like, right now. I just did. Boom! (laughs) Sally said she never saw him smoke. That was it. I mean, if he was still smoking, he sure shit wasn't doing it around her. Yeah. Or he wasn't coming home smelling like cigarettes or whatever. So, apparently he was true to his word. But yeah. (laughs) Boom! Yeah. Just quit right now. Give me your number. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's a, a better pickup. Yeah, that's, that's a, a better move. That, that's that's a yeah. power move right there. Yeah. Um, the pair went. The pair went dancing. That was one of the things that they liked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Sally would say that Bill was such a good dancer that in the early parts of their relationship, she was shocked to find out that he had a prosthetic leg because oh, he was incredibly light on his feet <laughs> for a one-legged man. Mm. Well, one-legged and a fake leg, but you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Soon, Sally and Bill were living together, and the couple got married at the Wrigley Mansion on Catalina Island. Oh, ha! <laughs> cute. I mean, it's cute. Yeah. I like Catalina. Me too. Catalina's a nice... It's a day trip. It's a day trip. You could make it an overnight if you just wanted to, like, stay in a fancy hotel for, yeah, and do something cute. why not? For one night. Yeah. And then go back in the morning. I could do that. That mm-hmm. would be cute. Um, after they got married, the couple opened a photo gallery in Long Beach, hmm. and Bill swore that the business was going to be a hit, even going as far as to invite Ansel Adams to the opening. Wow. 
He don't know Ansel Adams. Of course not. He just looked at a phone book or something yeah. and sent that man an invitation and expecting him to show. He did Of course not. He did not show. Yeah. But he did send um, Bill an autographed print. Oh, that's cute. And it was among his prized possessions. Aww. Um, I just, again, that's ballsy. Yeah. If nothing else, Bill Cooper is a ballsy man. Yeah. I'm quitting cigarettes on the spot just to get a fucking Rod's <laughs> phone number. I'm writing world famous photographers to come to my know nothing gallery. Yeah. But you know what? Here we are. <laughs> when Sally told Bill that she was pregnant, she expected him to be happy. But instead, he was like, let's go see Apocalypse Now. <laughs> because that's a reaction to a pregnancy announcement. <laughs> True. I mean, it's a reaction. It's not one that you it's expect. It's also not his first kid. This is not his first rodeo. We'll talk about that shit later. <laughs> um, after seeing Apocalypse Now, he was like, he wanted her to see the his life, like the things that he had done. Yeah. Like, I think... Um, He's having a hard hard time. He's dealing with shit. He's mm-hmm. dealing with Vietnam shit. And yeah. he's having a hard time articulating yeah. what he's going through. So he's like, watch this movie. <laughs> okay. This is my life. Yeah. Right, right. Are you good now? Then Bill started drinking again. Mm-hmm. Then he got fired from his dive instructor job. Oof. He had a fight. Of course. Somebody threatened not to pay him or something, mm-hmm. and he fought the guy, and the owner was like, get the fuck out. Yeah, I'll do it. But that was tamped down with the birth of their daughter, Jessica. But as happy as he was to be a dad again, it did not stop the abuse that Sally suffered. Mm. Once, Sally and Bill took Jessica to Chuck E. Cheese because... 78. Yep. <laughs> Bill got drunk, although I'm giving him a pass because, okay. you know... Like, it was showbiz pizza then. No, they specifically said it was really? Chuck E. Cheese. I'm thinking Bill's bringing in his own treats. <laughs> yeah. And he probably isn't the first parent to sneak a little ripple. All right. Spike some sodas yeah. while their kids are being entertained by those demonic animatronics. <laughs> yes. So, Bill got drunk and started going nuts on Sally as they were getting ready to drive home. Mm. They get in the car, they're starting to leave, Bill's still being a psycho, and Sally's like, fuck you, I've had enough, just stop the car, let me out. Bill stops the car, and as Sally's trying to get out, he takes off his prosthetic leg and hits her in the back with it so hard that her and baby Jessica go flying out of the car. Mm. Sally said it was like being hit with uh, with a two by four. Huh. Like, wham! Yeah, what an asshole. And she flew out of the car with the baby. Well, he hit them out of the car. Yeah. And Sally was fine, but little baby Jessica got a little bit cut up. Mm. Nothing like super major. A couple yeah. little cuts and scrapes. Yeah. But she's about a year old. Yeah. Give or take. That's too much. Yeah. And much like Janice before her, she was like, fuck you. And she left. Yeah, good. <laughs> you know, it's a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people seem to be able to put up with him until he puts the pause on him. And once that happens, they're like, <laughs> and I'm out. And scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they don't go back. Good. After Sally left, Bill landed a gig taking pictures of stained glass windows at Sally's church. 
something. Mm. Out of nowhere, Bill started getting upset and started screaming about horrible things that he had seen at Vietnam and the, they're coming for me and like shell shock type shit. Yeah. And Sally's pastor, who's apparently seen these things before, picked up the phone and said, yes, VA? Yeah. I'd like you to come take him away for real. Yes. And the men came mm-hmm. and they took him away. They're coming to take me away. Ha ha, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha, he ha ha, to the running farm. <laughs> and they did. Um, he went to into psychiatric treatment in 1982. And while he was at the VA, um, Bill was diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. They gave it another old-fashioned term that I was like, fuck it, we know what it is now. It's yeah, PTSD. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as he... T- as he talked about his struggles with PTSD, his therapy was both medication and talk. Mm-hmm. And as he was dealing with his PTSD, he was in group therapy. And in one of his groups, there was a Cambodian woman mm-hmm. who had also been at Vietnam, but the other yeah. side yeah. of that coin. And as she talked about her struggles with PTSD, Bill was shook. Because he was like, holy fuck, it was not that long ago, I would have shot this nice lady in the face, I would have fucking slit her mm-hmm. throat, and I would not have given it a second thought. No. Because he really liked this lady, she was a nice mm-hmm. person. Yeah. You know, he really got along with her, she was lovely. And it was a thought, like, how easily he could have hurt her. Yeah. If the situation was only slightly different, mm-hmm. and not even that long ago. Yeah. That, like, after that group session, he just went in his car and he just, like, cried for, like, an hour. Oh, that's good. Get it out. Because he was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. I really would have killed him. Now, he wouldn't... Now. No. He'd be abhorred by the thought. he was in Vietnam, he fucking hated her and he would have killed her. Yeah. yeah. And he... It, it does not sit well with him that he is... Definitely, not even probably, most definitely, had taken out several dozen, maybe even hundreds of nice people Mm -hmm. just like her. Yeah. For some bullshit that he no longer believes in. Yeah. Yeah. And it just... The horrors of war really hit him. Mm -hmm. And not just, like, his own personal losses, but, like, the gravity of what he's done. Mm -hmm. And he just went to his car and he cried for, like, an hour after that session. You can feel sorry for him now. I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I feel bad for him a little bit. Um, like, good for him coming to that realization. Like, my grandfather, you know, told me about that. He hated Germans. He wanted them all dead. And it was weird going to Germany to watch his son marry a German woman and meet the guys he wanted dead. Yeah. Like, my mom's uncles and... Cousins, extended family, yeah. yeah. His, his, like, his age group, his peers. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's just something so self-centered about Bill. I don't know why. Like, when you're telling it, like, I haven't read these books, I haven't deep-dived into Bill Cooper, Cooper the way you have, but I'm like, wow, he's made that really about him. There's just something insincere about it, but I do believe, like, I don't know. You're you're not wrong for picking up on some of his superficiality. Yeah. You're not wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Bill Cooper is a deeply selfish, deeply delusional person. Yeah. But in this instance, I feel for the 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 humanness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially knowing that you have killed mm-hmm. and what and having to face what you snuffed out. Yeah. I mean, here's a person that you legitimately yeah. like. Yeah. And, and care for as a friend. Mm-hmm. That you find value in as a human, and how much of that have you destroyed? Yeah. For some bullshit. Yeah. So I feel for him coming. That's got to be a hard thing to. Yes, and a lot of people won't make that. That won't get over that hump. Right. So I think that's why I feel for him. But you're not wrong for picking up on. Yeah. The very the, the like kind of delusional self center. Yeah. You're not wrong for picking up on. Yeah. That. Like it. It smacks a little bit of the the white guilt, where I am the star of this drama. Like I see like your trauma. I'm now making it mine too. We're gonna share it. We're gonna have it together. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong for picking up on a little bit of that, yeah. but, but I'm gonna let him have this one thing because he Yeah, he, yeah. It, like I the PTSD like that's obviously genuine. Yeah. And I don't think he's like like a uh, like I don't think he's a psychopath. Oh no 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 no. Like obviously he you know, but this guy is definitely the center of his own universe. Oh yes, and he's a very damn it's a very damaged um, <laughs> yeah. universe. Yeah. It's a very damaged place to be. Um through all of this um therapy and everything while he was at the VA um, he was diagnosed and treated for PTSD, like I said, and depression mm-hmm. that had been basically undiagnosed for 13 years. Mm. So he'd been yeah. dealing with some shit and self-medicating and, <laughs> yeah. and doing a lot of fucked up things. I think I would feel more sympathy for him if he didn't like beat his family. True story. Because trauma doesn't force you to do that. No, no, no. That's you. Yeah. Trauma doesn't make you beat your family. Yeah. Um, you know, and... PTSD and the depression and all the other things going on with him can, I'm, I'm going to say make him a little delusional, but delusions don't make you violent. Yeah, true. That's that's strictly a build thing. Mm-hmm. Could it be because Jack slapped him around or whatever and that's just how he copes? Yeah. Possibly. Who knows? Honestly. But I'm not willing to give him grace on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. And so that's fine. But when he got out of the VA, he was in there for like three, four months. Oh, good. Um, and he got out with some skills of how, now that he knew what was wrong with him, he could kind of work on it a bit. Well, that's good. Um, he would... That's what you want to hear. Yeah, he would <laughs> He would end up doing two mental health stays mm-hmm. um, in the VA in the 80s. Um, in 1986, Bill married again, but that didn't last long. Like, don't even know her name. In and out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after his stay in the VA... Bill landed a job as an administrator for an aerospace vocational college. This is basically like the DeVry of its time. Okay. But Bill but Bill liked it, and at one point he claimed to be making about 75k as the dean of admissions. That sounds yeah, that sounds right. But that fucking broke down once the California government um, cracked down on um, <laughs> for-profit school fraud. <laughs> yeah, the school had defrauded Fuck yeah. load of students. Yeah. Yeah, so that job's a bust. Yeah. <laughs> Bill took whatever money he had left and dove balls deep into his research and told everybody what he learned at the Admiral's office 
about the NWO. Oh, the God. New World Order. Yeah, that's his reaction to being laid off. <laughs> then I'm going to deep dive into the crazy, and the mouth of madness opens up a little bit He's more. He's a man ahead of his time. <laughs> Come on, that's what unemployed dudes do now. True story. You know what? He is ahead Mine of his time. I took my job and now there's a conspiracy of lizard people. <laughs> yeah. True story. We'll get into his predictions probably like in episode three. So he does make some predictions yeah. that they're not they're not a hundred and ten percent spot on. Mm-hmm. But you can see where he was going. Yeah. It's kind of a ship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so now he's, um, you know, broke and unemployed and just researching the New World Order. Good Lord. And according to his research, in July of 1947... I feel like we should hear a quotation marks when you say research. Yeah, yeah, because it's a big ass. This is research. research. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's research led him to July 1947. Mm. A spaceship. Oh. that crashed. My baby. In Roswell, New My Mexico. My baby Roswell. And their secret pact. Is that secret. the first time you heard of Roswell? Um, I, It's not the first time he heard of Roswell. We'll talk about it in a little bit. It's not the first time he heard of Roswell, but this is the first time he makes the connection between Roswell's aliens and the New World <laughs> Order. I don't. I. I can't do Hulk Hogan too. Yeah, I was like, I want to do the 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 NWO theme song, but I can't. I can't think of how it goes. But just imagine the late great Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and before we knew he was an asshole, Hollywood Hulk Hogan walking down. Randy Savage with him too for like a hot minute, and then he went back to WWE. Yeah. 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 And then he went back to WWE, and then he retired. So just imagine, just imagine that. Um, yeah, just imagine yeah, that. Creep walk. That's right. You know, Scott Hall doing his <laughs> Razor Ramon thing. Yeah. And and imagine that weird porno beat. Because yes. that's what's happening in my head right Everyone now. Everyone very strategically greasy. There was a lot of strategic grease, it too. Was you know that Scott Hall is... Oh, not Scott Hall. He's passed away. Yeah. Kevin Nash is 67? No way. Good for you, Kevin Nash. That is... That's skincare. That is a man that takes care of his skin. Yeah. (laughs) Probably hasn't taken care of too much elf on his body, but he moisturizes. Oh, yeah, his knees are gone. He ain't got no knees, no calves. I don't think he has any of that, whatever, the cushion, no cartilage. Yes, none. At all. Zero. None. But his skin looks great. He does. That's how I know he's not a racist. (laughs) That's right. God preserves. (laughs) That's right, because God don't like ugly. (laughs) True. settled on the fact that Bill is a damaged piece of shit and slightly self-aware yes yes he's a damaged piece of shit with moments of self-awareness yes now it's time to talk about Bill versus the aliens (laughs) my money's on the aliens (laughs) go TV 
aliens. Now, like a lot of kids that grew up in the 50s, Bill grew up reading a lot of like pulp novels and hearing <laughs> and stuff like that and hearing stories about UFOs as a kid. But because Bill grew up in a military home, he also grew up hearing stories of his father and his friends talk about some of the strange things they've seen in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Add these to the secrets that Bill had had seen mm. during his time as a military secretary. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. That is what it was. He's a very fancy secretary. <laughs> yes. It was like the perfect storm to create a UFOologist. <laughs> yes. That, that, that's how you mix that together. Sure. A little bit of military, a little bit of pulp novel. Yeah. Some weird military secrets. Trauma. UFOlogists. <laughs> yes. Send them out into the world. In his book, Behold a Pale Horse, which is the book that he is most famous for, which we will reference more than a few times mm -hmm. during this episode, Bill talks about seeing UFOs in the sky above the DMZ while he was in Vietnam. Mm. In one incident, Bill says that a whole village disappeared after he saw a UFO hover above it. Whole village. They, Are these recovered memories? No, no, no. They're like actual, his, his memory memories. Like, he's not undergoing hypnosis or doing anything to get this shit out. This is I guess what I'm asking is, is he taking an interest in UFOs and suddenly having memories about UFOs? No, he's taking an interest in UFOs because he's trying to connect the dots between the secrets that he found in the Admiral's paperwork. Uh-huh. And what those secrets could mean. Yeah. And he's connecting the dots like, haha, aliens. Mm-hmm. And he saw a village disappear? Yes. So he's trying to connect things that he saw in his military service with the stuff that he saw in the Admiral's files all together. Okay. He's a damaged person, Jeannie. He is. Don't, don't ask me to put more <laughs> logic to this than what. Like, it. it's just, it is yeah. what it is. Um... I just think it's convenient. Yeah. Like you said, he said he saw he was out on his little riverboat. Yeah. Nobody was shooting or anything. It was a calm night. And a thing the size of a football field, round, so thing, mm -hmm. silent, came and it shot some lights and then the village was gone. Okay. That's what the man said. He said, he said, now... I don't believe it. I think Bill smoked his fucking kneecaps off is what I think. Yeah. On that day. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bill knew that both sides had fired on the UFO when they'd seen it that night. Mm -hmm. And the UFO fired back with a weird blue light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the village was gone. Hmm. Bill heard a lot of other UFO stories while he was in the service, and over time, Bill would come to believe that all of them were true. Okay. <laughs> like a lot as of... As true as his. <laughs> as true as anything else has ever happened. As, as true <laughs> as that FBI, CIA person that ran him off the road and caused him to lose his leg. Yeah. As real as that. Now, like many UFO folks around this time... Bill felt that the arrival of UFOs among us was information that the U.S. government had no right to keep from the American people. No right. 
true. Now, in the summer of 1988, Bill went public with his UFO information on one of the first BBS message boards to ever come online. Oh, Those old dot matrix yeah. things. Yeah. You know, he, he was very online very early. That makes sense. Um, Bill posted his findings on Paranet, which at the time was mm-hmm. the premier place for UFO folks yeah. online in the very early days of the internet. One of Bill's first posts garnered loads of attention in the B blah 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 in the blah 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 in the BBS as one of the first military people to come forward publicly about multiple UFO sightings, including names and dates to back up the things that he saw. So just these people, Bill, and the way he says these things are very like precise and military at oh one hundred and this that and the 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 Yes, he's very precise in his language, very military, which in the subculture makes him sound even more credible. Yes, because it's military speak. So, on the post, Bill told about a submarine mission that he was on in nineteen sixty six. According to Bill. He was serving as a post lookout when he saw something strange and alerted the officer on deck. When they all looked out the little peephole porthole, whatever the fuck it is you look out of the submarine. Periscope. Thank you. (laughs) They saw a strange ship dive into the water, then shoot right back up into the air again, bringing with it a geyser of water. According to Bill, the entire crew watched this metal craft the size of a football field that had no effect on the submarine equipment. It was completely silent, dove into the ocean, shot back out, almost completely silent except for like it taking a bunch of water whooshing with it. Yeah. The event was immediately declared classified. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that Bill was speaking about it publicly. Mm-hmm. Yes. He knows things. Secrets, girl. He got yeah. secrets. Dangerous secrets. <laughs> Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Only he can't get Bill What's His Name to host his show. He can't afford him. True. <laughs> yeah, what was his name? I oh, loved him. God, it was Bill something. Yeah. Something with the W. I want to say Bill Withers, but that's the no. singer. Yeah. God bless Bill Withers, though. I Because like, I just love Bill Withers. Beckley. Yes. Used to be a, um airline pilot repair guy. Oh, nice. Must, I, well, I guess that would have been before it was Chuck Yeager Airport. Yeah, no, um, that's where Bill Withers got his start. He used to be a airplane repairman. Oh, nice. And somebody, like, heard him singing or whatever. I know he went to Pittsburgh, which, good move. Yeah. And it, I love West Virginia, but yeah. And <laughs> oh, like no. somebody heard him singing or playing guitar or doing something on his break and kind of went from there. Oh, yay. God bless. I mean, national you know, treasure. I do love me some Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. Now, while at that post, while that post that he, that Bill made on BBS certainly gained Bill some attention among UFO circles, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be considered a thought leader in that space until he started hanging out with John Lear, mm-hmm. the scion of the Lear Jet family dynasty. 
we don't have time to go into some of the side characters that Bill, yeah. that Bill runs across, but John Lear is interesting in of himself. Um, because of who his father is, he's actually a very competent pilot at a very yeah. young age. Yeah. Um, and because of his belief in UFOs and conspiracies, he's effectively disinherited from the family fortune. <laughs> so yeah. he has got all of the cachet that comes with being a Lear, mm-hmm. but very little of the cash to yeah. back it up. But he still has the connections and can make phone calls yeah. and knows yeah. people. He's an interesting Good call, though. <laughs> he, he's an he's an interesting cat. We just don't have too much time to yeah. like deep dive into John Lear. <laughs> Imagine being able to like to fund a, a a hobby like that. Just like, yeah. hunting and UFO spotting. Like he had enough money to keep himself, but he wasn't like he yeah. got. He essentially got disinherited. His dad left him with. Oh yeah, the first time he funded like a, a, a Sasquatch finding mission, I'm sure his family was like, no, 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 stop it, stop it. Yeah, Jesus like, Christ, you might create a foundation. Yeah, so <laughs> he never seemed to be. Well, you know what? Even if he's disinherited, his level of poor is different it's, from our poor. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm Their sh- destitute is fabulous. Yes. So even though he was disinherited, it didn't seem, I guess they just was like, you only get this many millions and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. So John had posted that on the BBS board on Paranet that the U.S. government had been working with aliens for over 20 years <laughs> and that we had all been sold out to the aliens. <laughs> Most likely. If there was <laughs> aliens. Come on. If, they, if there were aliens... Who reached out to our government, our government would totally be traced. Honestly, you know it. I know it. If there are aliens, they don't come here because this is the hood. This is Earth is the bad neighborhood that nobody wants to drive through. And the handful of aliens that we've got in our hands are the poor unfortunate souls that ran out of gas. Exactly. And they're powered by water. Yeah, like, like nobody wants to, like, we're the hood. It's like, do you understand how much hydrogen you people have? Like, this is, <laughs> this is the hood of the universe. Nobody wants to drive through. We are the worst We're neighbor- the juggalos. We are the worst neighborhood in the universe, and nobody wants to come here. Yeah. That's my theory. If there's aliens, that's why. Yeah. Because they found out what happened to Bob. It's, like, we just took him... <laughs> Bob ran out of gas on Earth, and now he's on a dissecting table, and yeah. everybody knows about it. Yeah, they don't. I wouldn't come here either. Actually, it would go two ways. He, one, on one hand, you end up on the dissecting table. On the other hand, we'll fuck anything. Yeah, true story. And we will make you family. <laughs> like basically, we got two modes. That's it. So, what our two modes are dissecting table and Roger from American Dad. Yep. That's what we got. Basically. <laughs> we'll keep you in an attic forever or we'll take you apart. Yes. <laughs> and just leave you stranded here. Mm-hmm. Either way, we're the hood. You don't know which one you're going to end up amongst. No. Either it's way, a, it's a coin flip. We're the hood of the universe and nobody <laughs> wants to fucking come here. We're like the worst neighborhood. <laughs> That's why the ones that would actually be bringing gifts and partnership don't come here. Exactly. Why would you come here when there's a beer nebula? See? Yeah. Like, literally, there is a cloud of ferment of beer. Yeah, I hang out there. <laughs> Sounds like a great vacation. Want to go to the beer nebula? Fuck yeah. 
So what made John a thought leader on Paranet, on Paranet was that he had posted this thing um, that said the U.S. government had been working with aliens for over 20 years, sold us all out, mm. and on top of that, John has these associations with some of the titans of aerospace. Yes. You know, leaders of the industry at the mm-hmm. time. And that made John a go-to resource for UFO people looking for funds, an ear. Yeah. Trying to make some connections with, like, aerospace or government people that might be willing to hear some of the bullshit. Like, yeah. And so that's what makes... John Lear, a thought leader mm-hmm. in UFO circles. Failing upward, even <laughs> even amongst the crackpots, he is failing upward yes. because he doesn't he doesn't know any more or less than any of these other people to yeah. be taken seriously. Yeah. He just happens to have this name. Yeah. Some credentials. Yeah, basically. So he's their thought leader because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so they feel like he's the person, he's the type of person that would have access yeah. to the types of things the yeah. government would want to hide. The things mm-hmm. that we want to believe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Bill found John's post on Paranet, co-signed everything that John said was true. Mm-hmm. You know, about the secret government and the aliens. Yes. And, the, and, and Bill is like, show enough. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the Admiral Files. I, yep, I was there. Show enough, all of it, all of it's true. Um, Bill said that he could vouch for at least fifty percent of what John said. Everything from allowing aliens to abduct people in exchange for tech, hybrid alien babies working in mines. <laughs> yes, all of that shit. Yeah, at least fifty percent of it's true. Okay, Jan. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let Bill tell it. He had seen all of this shit while he was in the military. Yeah. So with someone to co-sign on his theories, John and Bill exchanged information and they started hanging out. (laughs) And then, in turn, John introduced Bill to the UFO thought leaders of the day Mm -hmm. and helped him get booked for speaking gigs at UFO conferences. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I'm... (laughs) Networking is a hell of a drug. Right? Because that's it what works. He, he networked his way into UFOlogy thought leadership. <laughs> he really did. Um, again, we don't have a lot of time for it, but John and Bill had a very contentious relationship. Um, they're both men of a certain age that like to drink. Mm. Often. Ooh. Yeah. John said that the first time he saw Bill take down a fifth of scotch by himself, he knew wow. that this is the right guy for me. Wow. I'm like, okay, so you're both problem alcoholics. Yeah. They are professionals. John said not many people could drink him under the table, and Bill could. Man. And he wasn't hiding it all in his artificial leg. He was pounding. (laughs) Yeah. He was taking it. And um, John said he couldn't even remember the amount of times Bill has pulled a gun on him. Mm. But he was like, I pulled a gun on him a few times, too, so we're probably even. They're both nuts. Yes. You've got these two middle-aged, drunk violent UFO obsessed <laughs> dudes yeah <laughs> just sitting in a room plotting together and doing conferences <laughs> sounds like a good time huh yikes <laughs> in 1989 uh. Bill decided 
that he that um, he wasn't content to just post about UFOs and how they fit into the New World Order. Mm-hmm. Posting is not enough. <laughs> so he went and he printed 535 copies of an essay he had written, which detailed how the aliens got the U.S. Um, government and the pact with the government that was made and the trilateral commission and all of the bullshit. Yeah. It's a lot more than that, but we don't have time for that kind of detail. <laughs> Just know Manifestos that tend to be that way. It's a 35-page essay. Manifesto. <laughs> he calls it an essay. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> you know. Come on. It's, I'm, I'm trying to be neutral and kind, but I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to fight you on this. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to fight you on the difference between manifesto and essay. Yeah. Not, I'm not dying on that, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, it's an essay insofar as a manifesto is an essay with mental illness. So. <laughs> yeah, You have that. There you go. So it, it, it details the whole thing. The mm-hmm. pact, the aliens, the trilateral commission, everything. Mm-hmm. Bill spent $27,000 to send a copy of this essay to every member of the House and the Senate. (laughs) They don't read. No one answered him. Of course, they don't read. Also, who would? (laughs) Their assistants. That's what pages are for and whatnot. True story. True story. (laughs) But I imagine the the assistants and the pages were like, what the fuck it, whatever. Dude, that's what they talk about when they're like having the like their midnight like cocaine binge session as they're reading through bills for their bosses. They're like, dude, did you see did the you, manifesto? You got it too. Yeah, the alien guy. Let me oh. quote you my favorite passage. Yeah, because he sent a copy to every member of the house I'm t- and every member of his delusional people. When I, I when I worked for a, a large tech company that has a big email division, man, yeah. I would yeah. get some wacky yeah. writings handed to me feverishly, and I read them all. <laughs> well, you got to do something the past time. It was amazing, but too incoherent to mine for content. <laughs> now, Bill's manifesto essay. Yes, manifesto. It's a festo. Mass essay. I think we should, it should be a messay. A messay. Yeah, yes. it's messy. His messay was a bit more coherent than your average crackpot. Yeah. But that's what makes it even more insane. <laughs> like, the, the military precisionness of it makes it a little more crazy to me yeah. than if it was written in crayon and yeah. slobber. Then it would make sense. Because then I could just be like, oh, you're not well, and keep yeah, pushing it. Yeah. This, this thing of like, oh, you've, you've taken time. <laughs> this is thought. Okay. Now, Bill interpreted his si- the silence of the House and Senate because nobody replied. Mm-hmm. Nobody, he left his contact information. Of course. Nobody wrote back. Nobody called. Nobody replied. So he interprets the silence and lack of response as proof positive that he's right. <laughs> and knowing that he was making the information public was the only thing that was keeping the government from coming to get him. Oh, God. They already took his leg, girl. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you let him tell sure. they already took his leg. Yeah. Now, while the government had no interest in responding to Bill, because why would they? Right? 
His essay was a very divisive piece of writing in the UFO community. Hmm. Um, at a 1985 MUFON conference, mm-hmm. um, MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. Yes. For not, I learned so many things. <laughs> um, when Bill was asked, added to the speaking roster for the conference that year, mm-hmm. Bill's plan was to present his UFO paper was rejected. At the time, the heads of MUFON were trying to make the studies of UFOs um, a legitimate field science. Yes. And they were like, people like Bill just make us look bad. Yes. They they make us look... They're they're kind of like the cryptid people that are trying to make it more of a legitimate field science. Yeah, yeah. We're like, okay, so... Bigfoot may not be real, but there are other extinct creatures that we should be looking for. Type, oh, of, yeah, yeah. Type of, that's how cryptids people try to legitimize yeah. their their hunts by like not focusing on the chupacabras of the world. Yeah, yeah. And go, but look at this extinct fish that this one guy found. So yeah. This guy found an extinct fish. There might be other extinct fish. Yeah. They're they're kind of trying to do that. Yeah. And Bill, people like Bill, just make him, just make him look crazy. Yes, because he makes shit up, pretty much. Because like, bless their hearts. <laughs> right? In yeah. the interest of full disclosure, I have seen an unidentified flying object, and I get it. I get when you, when you see somebody like I've never seen anything like this before. I've not been prepared for this. This is truly bizarre. And no one can tell me what it was. I can see where you would be. Yeah. When you meet other people who have seen weird things like that, you'd be interested in... It's kind of like a... Oh, gosh. Carl Sagan had the right idea with, like, the SETI. It's just like, let's just look. (laughs) I'm not trying to, like, come up with, like, a hierarchy and a belief system and these are the deals they've made and all the myth-making and bullshitting. I'm like... What what was that? And what are I, we seeing? See, <laughs> I've never had like an encounter like that where like I've seen a thing, but it stands to reason that we can't be the only sentient things out there. Yeah, and I firmly like, believe that we're just a really bad neighborhood that nobody yeah, wants to go to. That makes sense. That that's my alien conspiracy theory right there. They're out there. We're just too trashy to fuck with. End yeah. of story. <laughs> That's not it. worth it. Pretty much. But yeah, but I see where they're coming from. And, and it, it is weird. And I can see why they would be hyper like, get the crackpot the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, because if you start talking about New World Orders and aliens and government yeah. and you're just making us look bad. Yeah. It's we, like they're, like they have a legitimate interest in science and someone like Bill is tr- looking for an audience. Yeah. So on July 2nd, 1989, Bill was finally able to speak to a MUFON conference in Vegas where he (laughs) read his paper, The Secret Government. The only reason he was able to read the paper is because John Lear was hosting and putting on this conference. And Lear told the other MUFON people that were on this board, you let my guy speak. And if you don't, I'll just open up another convention down the road. Yeah. And people will follow me. Mm-hmm. So, 
do what you gotta do. Yeah. And he's got just enough money to pull it off. <laughs> so, yeah. so they let Bill speak because yeah. John Lear threatened to ruin their conference otherwise. <laughs> so the paper that he gave is called The Secret Government. The Deep State. <laughs> Not quite there yet. Oh, Lord. Give it time. This is the secret government. Yeah. But this is why he's called the, the, the daddy of modern conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Because he... Uh, we'll talk about his radio show and stuff more in episode two, but as he gets a bigger audience, he sprouts and plants the seeds of some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of... None of the things that he says are whole cloth original. Mm-hmm. There have been pockets of people that have had these sorts of theories before. Yeah. But what makes Bill different is the audience and the technology. Yeah. I mean, he's doing this in the time of internet and shortwave radio, mm-hmm. where these other people that thought the same things were doing these just like standing on street corners throwing <laughs> yeah. pamphlets at people. As God intended. You know? So that's different. It's, yeah. it's easier to cultivate an audience mm-hmm. with short with different technology that's not throwing pamphlets at people yes. on the street. Yeah. So, Bill's presentation wasn't so much of a speech as much as it was a giant info dump that linked the JFK assassination, government cover-ups, murders, and a shite load of other crazy weird shit to the aliens and the New World Order. According to Bill, Everything horrible or strange that had happened in the U.S. for the last 44 years had aliens at the center of it. (laughs) And at the end of the speech, Bill admitted that there was a high chance that he wouldn't be believed. Which is true. Yes. And then that was fine, because Bill is not a UFOlogist. Fuck you. I'm not (laughs) one of you. Because what is important to Bill was getting the information out. Because it was important to the survival of our species. Yeah. He ended his speech saying, quote, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you do with this information. Because it is important to our survival as a species. It is important to our planet. What happens to me is of no consequence. And I knew that when I started this over the last 17 years, I knew that I was going to have to get up and say this whether I wanted to or not. Whether I was afraid or not. Now I'm here. And it it is done. And I feel an overwhelming sense of relief. You have the information. You can laugh at it. You can throw it in the trash. You can burn my house down if you want to. But I'm telling you that your children's future, your grandchildren's future, depends on what you do with this. Your own government is selling your children drugs and you don't seem to care. Your own government has given away the power of the people and you don't seem to care. There is an apathy running and running rampant in this country that is deadly. Whether or not there are aliens, we are truly a nation of sheep. And ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, Sheep are always led to the slaughter. End quote. <laughs> okay. Now, minor spoiler alert. Yeah. Bill Cooper is the person that is credited with putting the word, the term sheeple into popular vernacular. 
in a lot of his writings and in his radio shows, he talks about sheep, 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 or yeah. sheep, or sheep, or sheep, or cattle. Mm-hmm. But he's really big on sheep. <laughs> um, and it's on his radio show that he says sheeple for the first time. And so whether or not it's 110% yeah. true, other people could have said it. Yeah. They just didn't it's have like, a radio I show. I mad at him because it's inevitable. Yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that even if he didn't invent the word sheeple, he might be the only person where you can document it being said. Yeah, like, yeah. like enough people can say the first time I heard it was right here. Yeah. And that's why he gets the credit, whether he really invented it or not. But <laughs> he's really into sheep. That MUFON speech won Bill as many fans as it did enemies. <laughs> but Bill wasn't going to let his newfound fame or detractors get him down. He was once again a man in love. Oh, God. This time, he was in love with a 28-year-old Taiwanese woman named Annie. Run, Annie! Annie, are you okay? Are you, are you okay, okay, Annie? Are- you've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. <laughs> Bill wishes he could moonwalk. <laughs> Truly. He's one of those people like, that's the dumbest dance because you can't do it. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody thinks the dance is dumb when they can't do it. <laughs> like people are like twerking is the stupidest thing to do it. Yeah. You know why? You, do you don't have a twerker bray and you're pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're born without your twerker bray. Yeah. Some people aren't not everybody's born with a twerker bray. I think you're right. And I think you're right. I've seen people who cannot like they are stiff from the neck to like Not everybody's born with a knees. twerker bray. And all these people, they're like, twerking's ruining the nation. Where's your twerker bread? Mm-hmm. That's oh, what I, I thought you that. got one. I saw that. I'm like, it's been around for 10 years, you idiot. Actually, probably longer than that. Well, much longer, but like, as like like, a, like It didn't get a name for like a, yeah. like 10 years ago, but strippers <laughs> yeah. have been doing that for that's since right. the dawn That's of the time. money maker. That's the money maker. And you know what? You're one, you're mad that you don't have a twerker brain. Mm-hmm. Two, you're pissed that you like it a little. Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't stop thinking about it. So, Bill would tell his audience later on his radio show that he knew Annie was the one for him when he was speaking at an event and a fight broke out. Okay. Annie pushed Bill to the side, stood in front of him, put her hand in her purse where she kept her hand on a 12-inch kitchen knife. And she was ready to defend her man. Lord. That's when he knew it was love. Oh, Lord. That's when he knew. I found mother! (laughs) That's what it is. Basically. Mommy defended him. She's gonna be the back... We'll talk about her more in episode two, but she's the backbone of his operation. Oh, God. Annie! Like, he is the talent. He's the one doing the writing and the speaking. Yeah. But she's, like, sending out the t-shirts and doing the admin. (laughs) Yeah. Keeping the books such as they are. Like, she's doing all... (laughs) Answering the fan mail. She's doing all that. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, she seems to be a true believer, too. Mm. In whatever Bill says. Yeah. She's... I, if she's not a true believer in all of his theories, she is definitely a true believer in Bill. Mm, okay. So. Hello, Annie. <laughs> There's no accounting for taste. Yeah, you are not okay. Not even a little bit. Mm-mm. But in spite of his new love, Bill started to think of UFOs as somewhat of a hoax in late 1989 when a scientist came into his room with a mini flying saucer. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was 
speaking at a convention, scientist guy came into his hotel room with a little mini flying saucer in a briefcase. He like pulled it out, made it do some tricks, yeah, some ups and downs, no wires, no remotes, look ma, no hands. Mm-hmm. And the scientist explained to Bill that this little flying saucer was part of an anti-gravity tech machine mm. that was made by the Nazis. Yes, he's another crackpot. Lord. <laughs> Nazis have anti-gravity technology. Nazis did not invent magnets. Or magnetism. Stop <sighs> it. Stop. Another crackpot. <laughs> and so he's basically telling Bill that this is a piece of Nazi tech that we haven't cracked. <laughs> okay. Magnets and things. Anyway. Yeah. But to really drive home to Bill that there were no aliens to, you know, to discover, mm-hmm. um, when, is when he read a 1970, when he read a speech from John Dewey that was dated back in 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, John Dewey was a psychiatrist, leading inter- intellectual of his time, a champion of progressivism. Yeah. Very interesting cat. Go read about him. We don't have time to deep dive him here. Yeah. But he is actually a very interesting person. Yes, he is. And in that speech, Dewey said in his intro, the best way to unite all nations on this globe would be an attack from another planet. And in the face of an alien, in, in the face of an alien entity, people would respond in unity and purpose, end quote. Bill would say that that line hit him like a sledgehammer because that was the moment he realized UFO theory was the biggest hoax played on man. Because at the time that he's reading this, Mm -hmm. Reagan and Gorbachev are doing their thing. Yes. Right? And Reagan said something very similar um, to Dewey about, hey, what we need to bring everybody together is an alien. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I think Reagan said it twice in two different speeches mm-hmm. with Gorbachev in fairly short succession of one another. Yeah. So these two offhanded remarks by Reagan, plus this 1970 speech from Dewey, mm-hmm. is his. There's no aliens! <laughs> aliens are a government hoax! I've been duped. I'm the sheeple. This is just another scare tactic by the NWO to keep the public in line. Mm-hmm. Now I got a different secret to find because <laughs> aliens aren't the secret. Yeah. It's a different secret. Bill felt that he needed to shine a light on all of the things going on behind the scenes. And the best way for him to do that was to write a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's not what every crackpot fucking of does. Of course. The manifesto grows up. Yes. And in 1991, Bill wrote and published his opus, Behold a Pale Horse. God. I am made death. You know, to this very no, day. I have become death. I have become death, yeah. Because it is. Um, Behold a Pale Horse is part of a line taken from Revelations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, These idiots in Revelations. To this, just like the apocalypse in general. You're not fucking special. You ain't that cute and you ain't that special, right, my guy. You know, to this very day, though, Beyond a Pale, Behold a Pale Horse. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Beyond. 
Um, behold because the pale that's horse. A much more interesting thought. Beyond the pale horse. Yeah. Beyond the crazy. Yeah. But to this very Their day, disappointing. Behold a pale horse <laughs> is one of the most stolen books in the country. Weird. Like people just take it. Because like apparently people are interested, but nobody wants to give it money. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll they'll risk a minor shoplifting charge yeah. to get Where'd their you hands. See that? I thought it was good omens. Um. Well, the, I... <laughs> um, his biographer says it's according okay. to according to Barnes and Noble, okay. it is their most stolen book. All right. So if you extrapolate that out, if it's getting stolen from Barnes and Noble all the time, it's probably yeah. getting stolen from every place else all the time. I'm the kind of people that want to read Beyond a Pale Horse would do well to steal Good Omens instead. True story. That's better apocalypse. True story. Um, you see, you made my mistake. It's Behold, not Beyond. We've retitled this whole book. <laughs> it's Behold a Pale Horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's Crackpot Beyond. <laughs> Crackpot Beyond. <laughs> So, he may not have known it at the time, but this weird book that is a mashup of a scrapbook fever dream that was a a reprinted... He reprinted a portion of the 1846 French satirical play A Conversation Between Machiavelli and Montague, Mm -hmm. which is stupid and out of context and weird. Yeah. Then he reprinted the Protocols of the Elders of Zion in full, although when Bill reprints it, he says that when you read the Protocols, you should replace the mentions of Zion with Sion, Mm -hmm. and Jews with Illuminati, and Goyim with cattle. Outside of that, he reprints it with no context. Oh, God. And honestly, this um, book is part of what brings the stupid fucking 18th century piece of propaganda into the 20th and 21st century, Um, at least in America. Yeah. The Protocols got a really big push in the 1920s with Henry Ford because he was an asshole. Yeah. But then it dies out again. Yeah, after we defeated the fascists. But then this book comes along, and he's got the radio show, he's got the book, he's, you know, we'll talk about the radio show later, but to a much wider audience. Mm -hmm. And he's printing these things with no context. Yeah, of course. Because if you're going to reproduce the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, you shouldn't, but if you're going to... yeah. You need to print it with the context that it was originally written in, like, 1860 Mm -hmm. as satire. And then that satire was taken by the Russians and turned into propaganda. Yeah. You have to read it with that context. You shouldn't read it. Don't read it. It's stupid. But if you're going to, you do have to understand those two bookends of context. Yes. You can't just go around and say, so when they say Zion, say Zion. And when they say Jews, say Illuminati. Mm -hmm. And when they say Goyim, say cattle. That's not better, though. You're just saying the Jews are the Illuminati. Basically. Now, he doesn't... Bill does not think that, but... I don't know. We'll we'll talk about... (laughs) We'll talk about Bill versus racism later. Okay. I'll put it like this. Bill does not feel that he is a racist. People that know him well 
don't think that he's a racist. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of those people that just because he doesn't lose use slurs, mm -hmm. he doesn't think that he's a racist. And I think in his heart, he doesn't believe that he is. Yeah. But if you wanted to call him that, I won't fight you on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where we're going to yeah. draw the line yeah. with him there. Um, this book would also be one of the seeds behind the FEMA death camps conspiracy <sighs> making a comeback. Yeah. Um, the FEMA death camp thing actually traces all the way back to a 1947 pamphlet. Mm. So it's actually way older than that makes sense. what most of us think about. Yeah. But again, mass printing, radio yeah. shows, he is part of what pushes it back into consciousness. Mm -hmm. It died out by like 55. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he helps bring it back. God. Now, Asshole. That's why he's the daddy of modern conspiracy. Yeah. He doesn't really say anything that's new. Yeah. He just says yeah. it. Yeah with newer technology that allows him to reach different audiences. Yeah. And then those audiences take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. Now, according to Bill, it's not the Jews or the blacks or the gays or any single one group or ethnicity of people that's running the, in the New World Order. The New World Order had figured out that some time ago, after the protocols of the, of the elders of Zion, that blaming a specific group all the time was the wield power. And the blame game always ends in war. And war was becoming too costly and too unpredictable mm -hmm. for the NWO to constantly engage. It's just a bad use of resources. Yes. And this is how you know the NWO doesn't exist I because know, if, right? if we wouldn't have wars because it would somebody would say this is a waste of resources let's do something <laughs> else. That's how you know the fact that yeah. we do have wars and famine and all of these horrible things is actually evidence that a, a, a giant Illuminati does not exist. Yeah, because if they did, they wouldn't waste resources like that. True. Any, but war is very profitable. Again, that's how you know that they don't exist. Because <laughs> it's very profitable for a very select group of people. Yeah. So it, it's just... For an Illuminati. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. No. I'm not letting him have that. I'm not. So instead, the New World Order needed a more consistent system. Mm-hmm. Bill said the answer to the true plans behind the Illuminati could be traced back to 1950, a 1954 document mm -hmm. that was traced back to the Bilderberg Convention. Oh, God. God. And this is called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. <laughs> and that was designed to take control of the American people. This stuff is only affecting America, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Because, sure. Because <laughs> life is a movie. According to Bill, the silent weapons sh um, shoot situations at by controlled banking magnates. Mm -hmm. This is about to get real weird. So, are oh, you I'm ready? Are you okay, oh, go. I'm braced. I'm ready. You're. <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel like you're about to recite the catechism to me. It's like, yep, yep, I'm ready. <laughs> so. The silent weapons shoot situations, and they're controlled by banking magnates. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, B of A, yeah. Wells Fargo, Chase. Yeah. 
monster. And the silent weapons can't be perceived by us mere mortals. Yeah. Even though we may feel that there's something wrong in the ether. Yeah. We can't articulate what those things are. Because they're just it's like a weird, funky thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and since we can't articulate it, we can't fight it. Yeah. And so, essentially, these silent weapons are deployed on a socioeconomic, what he calls, inputs. Yes. Small things that we will all experience, learn to adjust to, but over time, all these little small things will build up and pressure, 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 pressure Mm -hmm. will become too much and we're going to lose it after a while. And then as we start to fall apart, we will indulge in overconsumption, vice, etc. to deal with this pressure from these situations. Um... And those coping mechanisms are becoming outputs that are considered controlled situations by the banking magnates that are controlling the silent weapons. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if that makes any sense, but I realized when I say it out loud, none of this makes sense. So never mind. (laughs) I mean, it kind of does. He's describing class warfare. Yes. But he hates communists, I'm sure. Marxism or anything to do with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can't stand it. Can't stand it. Socialism, blah, 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 blah. I can't stand it. Are we going to get to the Frankfurt School? (laughs) We'll get to a lot in episodes two and three. So all of this is to say... But he's a maniac. Yes. And he is, like... And it's, like, it's basically... No, it's every, like, uh, Jewish conspiracy theory. But he's... But I assure you it's not about Jews. Now, the banks and the bankers are running your life and ruining it. But they're not Jewish. Bankers can be anybody. Yeah. Like, literally anybody can be a banker. Right? And even though they're, like, just due to, uh, for cultural reasons, being frozen out of a lot of industries, a lot of Jewish people did end up in banking... It's not, like, a conspiracy, but it's, like, they can point at that and, like, look at this little disproportion. Yeah, because in in a lot of places, and historically, banking was one of the few industries that Jewish people were allowed to participate in for reasons. Yeah. And they'd still use it as a shorthand. It's, like, we know that's what you're saying. Yeah. So all of this Ah. to say that Bill was trying to warn about social engineering long before the red pill, blue pill bullshit came into existence. Because that's basically what he's saying. Class warfare, social engineering, it's just an an 80s, 90s way of red pill, blue pill. Yeah. Like, that's... Red pill, blue pill is how they talk about it now. Yeah. But it's sinister, but and it's super secret, and they know something... they're just more knowledgeable and wise about it. Right, it's like, the same shit. It's like, dude, we know the world we live in. <laughs> it's the same shit. None of the shit is new. Yeah. It's just the technology and the terminology changes. Yeah. But the seeds of this shit go back. Yep. Back, back, it's back, the same back, crack back. Pottery. It's phrenology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all nuts. They're all fucking nutbags.
I was going to ask you about how you felt about Bill Cooper, but I think I know. Yeah. Bull Cooper is full of bullshit. Oh, I did it again. Bull Cooper. I'm, no, now I'm just going to, I want to call him Bull Cooper forever now. Bull Cooper. All right. And if I didn't call him Bull Cooper before this point of the show, we recorded this part last. But now we're just going to call him Bull Cooper forever. Yes, Fuck it. Yeah. I think, yes. I think Bull is, is, is interesting in the most fucked up way possible. Yes. There are very, very few redeeming qualities in him yeah. and it ain't going to get any better from here. Yeah. But he is the pappy of a lot of modern conspiracy theories. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a patient zero for a lot of the vile horseshit that is infecting our populace. Yeah. And it actually goes to show how technology mm. changes these things. Yeah. Because like I said earlier, nothing that he says under the sun is new. No. The only thing that's different between him and the people that said the same shit in the 1800s, 1900s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s mm-hmm. is um, shortwave radio mm-hmm. became a thing. Yeah. The internet became a thing conventions. Yeah, that's true. Became a thing. Mm -hmm. He just ended up being in a time and place where you could cultivate an audience better. Yep. (laughs) And being being a natural talker and a natural marketer helped him out too, but it's really more the technology yeah, that helps him spread that. really made a difference. Is that Bruce? Yep, that's Bruce having a a hairball. (laughs) Or a cough. Is Talia's just looking on like, is this the time to attack? (laughs) <laughs> she's thinking about it but it's time to take a break from bowl cooper and all of this bullshit <laughs> yes for the, the worst song of the week, week. oh <laughs> and that's because Not jungle long. boy just came on the tv <laughs> <laughs> looking like your daddy oh yeah wrestling has gotten through us us through this episode it always weirds me out how jungle boy looks so much like his father but with many more gifts yes <laughs> many more because but he, he, and the older he gets the more like him he looks because his mother's hair yeah because even though the late great luke perry yes. had many gifts many 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 gifts he does not have as many gifts as nope. his son has and it cracks me up i know god gave with both hands to jack perry and a foot yeah <laughs> and he's incredibly talented yes we enjoy jungle boy he's a good time yeah so today for the worst song we're gonna go go back to the well of a, of a band that never disappoints with how bad they are <laughs> The Holly like never surprises. They are a constant. They, they are to, to their family, to their to friends, their, 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 their children. They're yes. a constant disappointment. <laughs> uh, the Hollywood Undead. Oh, God. And uh, this is a new one because they keep chugging along. I know. They just keep pushing it out there. Uh, and this one is called City of the Dead. <laughs> Ooh, they're going pop pop now. Oh god. This is rough. Yeah. I haven't even started yet, and I know it's rough, but I'm already looking to do it. <laughs> uh, Here's what's weird. Yes. I think in their videos, it always looks like they are a four or a five piece band, right? Yeah. 
But then when I saw that one video of their live performance, they were a two-piece band. Oh yeah, that's right! There was like a drummer and one guitarist and then like four. And everybody was a singer or a rapper. And I was like, where is everybody else? I don't understand what happened to the rest of your band. pacing the stage. Like, no one could find their light. Well, with your crap. I know. Why light that up? Also, when you're playing for a room of nothing but family and friends, they know what you look like. <laughs> you don't need to fucking fight your life. Uh, I feel like they figured out that um, their whole weird death metal emo pop thing wasn't working out for them. Yeah. And the only way that they're going to break out the day and I and get on K-Rocks <laughs> yeah. is to do pop pop. Because this feels like, what's Machine Gun Kelly doing this? It's very delusional of them to blame the style and the genre of music and not their inability to write a decent song. Yeah, like, why why, why do we all wear crowns on our head in the city of the dead? Like, come on, guys. Did your kids write these lyrics? Possibly. Right? I think they're like... Madison! These Madison! Are, these I need are you bunch, to help me. Yeah, these are a bunch of mid-40s pretending to be 25. Yes! I know, they took off the masks for this one, too. Yeah, like, put it back on! That's why I, I know. see you're 50. Yeah, exactly. That's how I know that they're trying to do, like, a genre shit. Yeah. Because they're not doing the bootlegs, not masks, right? <laughs> Being hardcore like that not working for that. But nobody will explain. Why do they wear crowns on their heads in the city of the dead? Why does everybody have crowns in the city of the dead? You're dead. Don't fucking care. Yeah, things are rotting off. This is just weird, only a lot less entertaining. Um, I was watching this movie. It's called Carter. It's this Korean movie on Netflix, right? And... It starts out as a very typical, like, spy thing, right? Yeah. Loss of memory. Save the baby. Blah, blah, blah. Kill a bunch of people in yeah. the process. Spy thing. The born and, taken identity. Exactly. It's very that. But then it switches to a zombie movie. Nice. This is that, but less entertaining. <laughs> and that what was the, the worst, worst song of the week. week. Oh, God. They're trying to do another one. Actually, I was gonna go into ghost, and I would oh, let that shoot. happen. I would let it happen. Don't don't fuck with me. I will, because uh, <laughs> it was Little Miss Sunshine, which is a cute song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think this is uh, Hollywood and Debt's trying to get on K Rock. Yeah, this is their last push. They've been this has been their hobby for twenty years. They've been toiling like... in obscurity in the back rooms of Van Nuys all this time. <laughs> And this is their big, what's Youngblood doing? What's Machine Gun Kelly doing? Oh, my God. And what that kids doing? was the worst, worst song, song of, of the week. week. <laughs> 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 Bill and the Aliens. <laughs> I think Bull, Bill is foolish. Bill Bull. Bill Bull. Bull. He's Bull. <laughs> Bill's I'm Bull. I'm bullshit on Bull. <laughs> what? I'm a lot more cynical about this guy. <laughs> 
you know, I've been spending, I've been working on this case for like almost two months, and I've spent more time in conspiracy country than I ever (laughs) thought that I would be comfortable with. Yeah. Um, And I, I, I'm still not 100% sure how to feel about Bill Cooper. Yeah. I know he's not a good person. No. Not not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's responsible for reintroducing a lot of fucked up people. Yeah. To fucked up things. Yeah. But yet he's had influences on other people that aren't necessarily a net negative. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it next week. Okay. <laughs> Because we'll he, he's interesting in mm-hmm. in that regard, but not not everybody that picks up his stuff is some sort of fucking UFO militia kook bug. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like it, it's like I liken it to religion. It depends on what you bring to the text. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are maybe some people who could very innocently especially if they're given context, read uh, the protocols of Zion, mm-hmm. the elders of Zion, whatever. Some of this goofy shit. But, you know, but if you bring, like, hatred in your heart to yeah. the other, to it, it's just, it's just, you know, fuel for your fucked up fire. Yeah, this is true. So now we're going to take a break from some of the cookery, <laughs> only just a little bit, <laughs> and talk about Bill and his family, okay. such as they are. <laughs> Now, one of the things that Bill valued more than anything was the concept of family. Mm-hmm. Can't tell it by the way he abandons them, but you know <laughs> what? You let him have it. Um, for Annie's birthday one year, he dedicated an entire hour of his radio show, Hour of the Time. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the show. God. Okay. He, an hour of his broadcast yeah. dedicated to Annie. Playing the most romantic songs in his catalog. <laughs> you know, the, the stiller smoke gets in your eyes. Oh, He's very stuck in, yeah. in in that. Yeah. That fake imaginary mm-hmm. version of America of, yeah. that's created by a lonely little boy that doesn't get to make a lot of friends because his family moves a lot. Yeah. That's Man. firmly where he's stuck. Yeah. Um, and telling his audience about their complete devotion to one another. But the biggest thing in his life was the birth of his daughter, Dorothy, a.k.a. Pooh. Cute. Called her Pooh because it's Winnie the Pooh's favorite kid's book. <laughs> so he called her Pooh. Cute. Bill wrote in Behold a Pale Horse that about the time he, when he held little Pooh in his arms for the first time, he said that Annie became his hero and Pooh his always and forever friend. Mm-hmm. I thought that was sweet. That is sweet. Yeah. From a man who beats his family. Yes. Now, people can recover and can, and I believe can be not redeemed, but not you, recuperated. You, you can be re- rehabilitated. Rehabilitated. You can rehabilitate. But uh, I'm skeptical. <laughs> yeah. As rightfully you should be. Now, Pooh would be either Bill's fourth or fifth kid. Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure of the yeah. order. Family values. <laughs> Family. <laughs> but as much as Bill adored Pooh, 
he rarely talked about his other kids, most of which were tweens and heading into young adulthood. Mm-hmm. When when Pooh was born, seriously, when Pooh was born, he had like an eleven year old, of twelve or thirteen year old, yeah. or fifteen year old, mm-hmm. like they're like whole people, yeah, <laughs> like not like a bunch of little minis either. Um, he hadn't had contact with any of his kids basically since their mothers left. Shit, so he he punches. Yeah, way to make Jack look like a great dad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to blame Janice, Sally, or any of the other ones yeah. for leaving. You punch me in the face once, I take my baby and I'm out. Oh, and, fuck and, yeah. we, and we never speak again. Mm-hmm. And if you don't make an attempt to reach out to your kid, and I know you're an abusive drunk, I'm not going to force you. Yeah. I'm not going to forcibly bring that kind of negativity fuck no. and violence to my child. I'll let you, I'll let yeah. you go child support or whatever be damned I'll let you go and I will figure it out on my own fuck that <laughs> that's a good life choice which which is what the women in his life did yeah he got violent once they took their kids and they left now people that have are willing to give Bill much more grace than you or I yeah um think that on some level he knew he was bad for them mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't come around okay that he he was like yeah I, I this is beyond repair so <laughs> i should just go i guess we'll give him credit for not hunting them down <laughs> it, 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 it's <laughs> you're right it, i know it's like how it's like it, it really de- so depends on how much grace you're willing to give yeah. him yeah like did he not come around because he knew he was bad for them and they were probably better off mm-hmm. starting a life without him or was he just too cheap or too lazy to pursue <laughs> custody or yeah. or anything like that or is he just too much of a selfish asshole built, busy with his Illuminati aliens yeah. to be bothered with anything else no, exactly looking for the perfect family not this broken one right I mean clearly I want my fans to say Right, because I mean, they left. They wouldn't just let me beat them in peace. <laughs> yeah. That's not right. I'm supposed to be able to just beat them. Exactly. Jesus Christ. That's the deal. Bill's only real acknowledgement of his kids before Pooh is in the dedication of Behold a Pale Horse, which reads, quote, To my children, Jenny, Tony, Jessica, and little Dorothy, I love you every moment of every day. <laughs> End quote. Mm. Tony, Bill's one and only son, the one that he has with Janice, was 11 years old when Beyond the Pale, Behold a Pale Horse came out. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep playing that title. I know, right? In later interviews, Tony would say that he understood early who his father was, but he didn't think of him often. He was a baby, I think less than six months old, mm-hmm. when his mother left his dad. Because mm. um, he had been so young when Janice left Bill he didn't really have any memories of the man. And it's not like Bill came around yeah. to, or wrote or called. <laughs> like, True. you know, but he, but Janice never kept Bill a secret. Yeah. But she, I wouldn't seek out the man that punched me in the face and knocked me out. No. And, and he, he's not coming around asking for anything. I would just let that sleeping dog lie. <laughs> to the best of Tony's knowledge, when he was a baby, Bill had choked his mother out 
while he was drunk and she just packed up their shit and left him. Mm-hmm. Tony and Janice lived with family for a little while and Janice eventually remarried. And Tony says that his stepfather was a wonderful man who cared for him and his mother deeply and he grew up in a very stable normal home. Good for you, Tony. Bill notwithstanding. Yeah. (laughs) So, Bill did call the house once um, and asked to speak to Tony right when Behold a Pale Horse was published. Bill told Tony that he had written a book and it was dedicated to him. And in hindsight, Tony said the call was weird. Mm. Because he's 11. And up until this point, he had never had any contact with Bill. Yeah. Not a phone call, not a letter, birthday card, email. Yeah. Snail, nothing. But he's like, what, so what, am I supposed to be proud that she wrote a book? Like, yeah. why are you telling me? <laughs> also, he's 11. Yeah. Um, Tony did get his hands on a copy of Behold a Pale Horse. I hope he stole it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I hope he didn't spend his parents' good hard money yeah. on that book. Amen. I, I hope he stole it and I hope he didn't get caught. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so he, he got a copy of it and he saw the dedication, but he said their conversation was like a job interview. It was real surface. How school? Yeah. You play any sports? Man. Um, and they never spoke again after that. Uh. <laughs> Tony did say that reading the dedication of that book was when he found out that he had three sisters. Wow. Did not know. Well, yeah. I wouldn't expect he would. Yeah. It, Janice isn't in touch with these other yeah. women. She Once she's out, she's out. Oh, None yeah, of these yeah. women are in touch. Yeah. They're just... And Bill's not calling him to tell him. Well, or Bill's not calling anybody to get his children together. Yeah. Regardless of what the situation with the mother is, you could introduce the siblings and yeah. and foster that relationship between mm-hmm. father and, and children. But, you know, you don't want that smoke. Yeah. Whatever. He's like, no, he had an accomplishment. I did something. I'm a big man. I wrote a book and I dedicated and it to I you. now I can talk to you. For five minutes. Yeah. About my book. Well, he did ask him if he was into sports. <laughs> <laughs> like small talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining this 11 year old kid. Like, okay, yeah, what? Fine, I guess. Uh. <laughs> now, in Behold a Pale Horse and on his radio show, Bill often talked about how he and his family were in danger, danger, <laughs> high voltage. When we touch, when we kiss. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, Electric Six? Yeah. That's a great song. It is. Now, he said that they were always being followed. And that there were death threats left in their answering machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As a result, he had to get Annie and Pooh out of California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> California become a place that was so symbolic of everything that was wrong with America. Yeah, of course. Because reasons. <laughs> so the family headed east to Arizona, where they would eventually settle in the mountains of Edgar. Okay. Um, Arizona. It's like way up in the... You can see New Mexico from there. Okay. Basically. Mm-hmm. So it's not... 
it's in the mountains, so it's kind of like Flagstaff where you get snow and stuff. Mm-hmm. And gets pine trees and things. Yeah. It's not 110% desert. <laughs> yeah. But it's closer to New Mexico. Like, you can see New Mexico from there. So he's way up Beautiful. there. Um, the Cooper family, it is actually quite lovely up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cooper family settled into a little house on top of a hill. There were no other homes around them, <laughs> and they had a wonderful view of their entire valley. Um, because the current owners were in a bind and had to sell fast, Bill was able to buy the place for damn near a hundred, well, damn near on the spot, basically. Yeah. For 130000 Okay. Almost cash. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the owners, had, they purchased the house, and right after they closed escrow, mm-hmm. the husband ended up getting a promotion or something that was requiring them to move. Oh. So they didn't even get a chance to settle in, uh, and they were being forced to yeah. move for his career, so they had to sell fast. Yeah. And that's how he was able to get that house for so cheap. Mm-hmm. It was a cute little, like, two or three bedroom, two bath, mm-hmm. little... With a lot of land, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, very nice. The family moved into their new home in the fall of 1992. Christmas of that year, Bill sent home um, a home video to his family. His parents and siblings eventually put down roots in Texas after mm-hmm. Dad's retirement. Mm. They just, you know, yeah. kick it there. <laughs> Bill was very proud to show his new home off to his family, got the video camera out, mm-hmm. giving them the tour, as he explained that buying the house had made finances too tight for them to join for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did buy it practically cash. He, like, wiped himself out mm. damn near to get this house. Which I can't say that I blame him. Yeah. 130? Yeah. It's dirt it's a good cheap. deal. Even, in, even for the 90s. Yeah. That's yeah. dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Bill had always wanted to do but never seemed to manage was to make his father, Jack, proud of him. Yeah. Bill makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, when, when Bill is a child, it's Jack's fault. Yes. As when Bill becomes an adult, everybody's at fault. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Jack should learn not to be so rigid. Yeah. Bill should learn not to be such a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Jack was glad to hear that Bill had finally set down roots, but he wasn't impressed. <laughs> he was like, okay, so this is what a grown man with the family does. What the fuck you want a cookie? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he does. He desperately <laughs> desires the cookie. I would very much like to have a cookie, Dad. Why won't you give me the cookie? <laughs> um... In later interviews, Jack Lidwin would lament that he was always had always having to bail Bill out of some screw up or another. Yeah. When Jack heard that Bill was claiming that his leg being amputated was a result of being run off the road by men in black or the CIA, <laughs> yeah. he was dumbstruck and kinda pissed off. Mm. He was like, Well, no. He was drunk, I think. He could could not have been, but drunk or not, Bill was driving his motorcycle like an asshole, and he crashed. Yeah. All by himself. Mm Mm-hmm. And I damn near bankrupted myself getting that asshole a new fucking leg. Yeah. It was not the men in black. Yeah. Nobody is after... Jack had no patience for this conspiracy shit. Yeah. None. Zero. Zip. Yeah. And I think that's why their relationship could never yeah. 
get there. Yeah. Because Jack, I'm gonna assume, with all of his military and da 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 da, he's probably still a true believer in that American dream stuff. Yeah. Well, it worked for him. It's fine. He's fine. Yeah. And I got mine. And here's Bill talking about, nuh-uh, it's aliens, yeah. and it's this, and the government's ass. Like, th- how can you mend it? Or just, like, I didn't drive like an I didn't do this to myself. It right. was the government. Right. Bill never does anything. Yeah. It's always the CIA. It's always the government. It's always something else. It's never Bill's fault. Yeah. Bill never does anything. Yeah. And I bet this didn't start with the the... The motorcycle accident. Yeah, Jack doesn't go into it, but I bet... I don't think... He wouldn't, though. He wouldn't, but I bet you if you got him in the right mood with the right drink, he could probably cite you chapter and verse of everything this boy has done to make his own life more difficult than what it needed to be. And all the stupid lies he tells. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's probably been a little liar from... Yeah very early and even as a little kid I would I would bet that as a little kid he wasn't so much a liar as much as he is very imaginative yeah as a kid mm-hmm. and Jack doesn't know how to deal with that yeah but that does turn into him being a big fat lying liar that lies <laughs> yeah. as an adult you can indulge it in a little kid yeah you can't indulge this in a 40 something year old man no that's sad with children that he doesn't speak to. Yeah. And barely claims unless he needs to write a foreword in a book. <laughs> Sally, who is Bill's first wife, or second, whatever, I can't keep him straight, no fucking care, um, would later say that all Bill ever really wanted was to put down roots and have a hometown. Mm-hmm. He even said in one of his radio shows he was jealous of his listeners that had a hometown. That he grew up on all these army bases, and sure, he saw the world, but all he wanted to do was to, like, have a little house and a picket fence and look outside and go, there's Mrs. Smith. She taught me in the fourth grade. There's Bobby Butthead. We've known each other since forever and 30 days. Like, that's all he wants. Yeah. And even Sally said the problem with that, though, is the hometown that Bill wants isn't real. Yeah. And it really only existed in TV, movies, and the cover of Life magazine. Mm -hmm. And that's where the real problem lies. (laughs) Yeah. And that is where we're going to leave you (laughs) on the story of William Milton. Milton. William Cooper. Yeah. Fuck you, Milt. (laughs) Bill. I would Bill. I, Bill. I'd, I'd stick with Bill too. Of my, of my first True. name was Milton. Um, Jack is a Milton too. Oh, but he goes by Jack. Yeah, I think they're they're like the third or fourth of their line <laughs> yeah. or some shit like that. They're stuck with the name, but they're like, I'm not into that life. Like, it's a family name, but everybody augments it because yeah. nobody wants to be Milton. <laughs> I don't blame them. And on that note, I have been Sparrow. And I have been Jeannie. And this has has been been Talk Deadly Deadly to to me. Me.